Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I feel good. Dad, are you singing to your cereal? Come on, Ava. Silk almond milk. Starts the morning on a high note. <laughs> Silk almond milk. With calcium, vitamins A, D, and E. Feel plenty good. I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. <laughs> not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco. And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Sam Monson here as ever. Still no Steve, though, so we have a second crossover show, this time with Austin Gale from Tailgate. I'm excited to be on the show. I'm excited to take Steve's place. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you having me on every time I'm on this podcast, so uh, thanks again. Um, how's the chair? You, the chair is you fine. and Steve in that chair is a very different... Uh, Tonnage. The chair is fine. The chair is thanking me. You know, <laughs> I know Steve is pushing three bills these days. Especially coming off a of PTO. Wow. What, one of the chairs in here might not be that one. Maybe we've changed it out. But one of these stools in here, when you sit on it, you can feel that Steve has been sitting. It. Yeah. Like it I think grinds. we put that one aside. Yeah. It's like the you know the what are the pneumatics in it? Yeah. You know, like nice air cushioning suspension. Not in that one. Yeah. That one's seen some things, and it's not. Happy I don't for think. It. I think the weight limit when we bought these chairs was very <laughs> close to where Steve is at right I've now. I've told this to people before. I cannot put my mind in the body of a person that has to think about that no, stuff. No. Like I buy a chair. I buy a chair. I don't yeah. like. I, I assume it's the it, first thing he said when we I bought them. <laughs> like I literally. Just assume that the chair can sit me in it, right? That's the purpose of the chair. Why would it be any different? That guy has to look at it and be like, oh, I need a chair to, like, you know, sit up next to the kid's, the kid's softball game. Mm -hmm. Ooh, what's the weight limit? 250? True. Sorry. True. We, we got to go higher. We got to get the reinforced chair. I can't, <laughs> can't be sitting in that. When we bought these for last year's draft show, the first thing he said is, like, what's the weight limit? I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I like it. What are we, like two minutes into the show and you've already dropped the F-bomb? Uh, it was a slight one. It was a slight one. We're fine. People We're knew fine. where you were going, though. People <laughs> knew where it still counts. If you got to throw a dollar somewhere, that's a dollar. Yeah. Um, anyway, last time you were on this show, or maybe not last time you were on the show, but last this time a year ago, we mm -hmm. did the same very show, you and I, and it cooked. Yeah. We did fatal flaws for all 32 NFL teams, and you rightly brought up when I suggested we do it again this year, mm -hmm. that the feedback last year was pretty consistent that half the league was like, their quarterback sucks, they're yeah. not winning. So we're not doing that this year. We're going to come up with a non-quarterback reason your team won't win the Super Bowl. So I only have, so I did purposefully only two quarterback weeks. Yeah, we will, 
we'll like reference yeah. when your quarterback is obviously a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we won't linger on that, and we will actually come up with a non-quarterback exactly. reason you're exactly. not going to win. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be the show. So we're going to do uh, fatal flaws for all 32 teams. Order is always controversial, mm-hmm. right? You being on the show, you were like, let's start in the West. Yeah. The West people get pissed off. I'm a West guy. When we go last, and you're a West guy. The West Coast bias against the West Coast people. So we're going to start not just with the West, but the AFC West. And we're going to go reverse uh, way around the compass. So West, South, East, and North for each conference. I love it. And we've got to get a move on because it's 32 teams. Let's do it. Uh, but before we get into anything, we've got to tell you about Western and Southern. The title sponsor of the PFF NFL podcast, the guys with the plaque on the wall, that's taking it to a whole new level. Um, where am I? Sorry, I was on Tailgate <laughs> Podcast. I was like, hang on. It's telling me that our title sponsor is Sunday. That's not right. Uh, wait, it still is right. What? Figure it out. I did Find document. a way. Find a way. It says the presenting sponsor is Get Sunday. Yeah, Get Sunday, brother. Oh, well, you're, well, Tyler's already got Western. Just give Western Southern a little credit. I don't credit. see Get Sunday with a plaque on it's the true. wall. That's it's all true. I'm saying. It's true. Now, now I've got to like ad lib a Western Find a Southern way. read. Find a way. Look, this is, this is, ta- this is why Select Steve. the right money moves. So, <laughs> that's all I've got. <laughs> what is that play that's going on? Number 87 is, like, going to hurdle and throw the ball? Or, or yeah, is he extending well, for the pylon? That, that's, ball, that's bad ball security is what that is, as opposed to bad financial security, which you can get fixed if you go to westernsouthern.com. I, there was a forward slash, but I don't remember what it was. Good. Westernsouthern.com. Go there. <laughs> They'll love you for it. Sign up for whatever it is they're selling. We'll appreciate it. And then I'll find a better sponsor read later on. Is I that, love it. Is that I love good it. enough? I think that was perfect. All right. Sweet. No one will know. Connor, you probably don't want to send that one. <laughs> no, don't send that one. <laughs> anyway, AFC West. Mm-hmm. That starts us off with Denver. The Denver Broncos, newly minted with quarterback Russell Wilson. But what is their fatal flaw still? I feel that the fatal flaw for the Broncos is, and I think I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I think I'm going to get a lot of hate for a living. But I think the fatal flaw is the newness at quarterback and coach. bringing in Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett, obviously two new members of the Denver Broncos, and expecting it to gel immediately in a division where, you know, it's going to be very difficult to finish first or second with the Chargers and Chiefs, obviously, in the same division. I think it's going to be slow out of the gate. Like, I think this, the, the Denver Broncos start slower than expected. And we don't even know if there's a suspension coming down for Jerry Judy, who was arrested recently and then right. released. Um, and there are other concerns with this team, too, right? It's not, like, just that. But I really like their pass rush. Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb. I think Draymond Jones, the defensive tackle for the Denver Broncos, is one of the more underrated interior pass rushers. I love their secondary. Sertan, Darby, you brought on Kwan Williams, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson it's a it's a really good team and even if Jerry Judy is suspended if Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick are healthy it's still a good receiving core I worry though it's just going to take some time it's going to take some time for Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett to work this stuff out so much that it's going to be difficult to get ahead of the Chiefs get ahead of the um Los Angeles Chargers in the same division and honestly if I was not if I was going to bet one team that isn't the Raiders to finish last in this division it would be Denver right It, it would be Denver now that's because the Chargers and Chiefs I think have better quarterbacks and they have more consistency coming year over year that is my biggest worry for Denver um, I do think there's reason to be a little bit concerned that the defense goes backwards. Like okay. they, they and Vic Fangio leaving is big too. Exactly, they constructed this defense around you know a Vic Fangio scheme, which is the scheme that is kind of in vogue right now. But that's the guy, right? Vic Fangio, not creator of this scheme, but the the sort of um, the leading NFL light 
running this type of defense right now. Brandon Staley from his coaching tree coming up behind him as well. Uh, this is a defense that was really good because of Vic Fangio and the players that they assemble for. Now you've got those players, most of them, he let a couple walk, um, but Vic Fangio isn't there anymore. So are they able to maintain that level of defense, or is that going to take a step back? And then you're in a situation where anything Russell Wilson does, first of all, has to offset the defense taking a step in the other direction, and then has to get better than everything the offense. I, I think you've um, put a, a nail on the head of – the Russell Wilson thing might not be the cure-all that everybody thinks it will yeah. be, right? Not because <clears throat> Russell Wilson isn't a really good quarterback, but one, like think of how much projection needs to happen for everything in there, right? We're assuming that Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Jerry Judy have this like untapped potential that you're not going to realize with Drew Locke, which is a reasonable assumption, yeah. or Teddy Bridgewater. But that doesn't mean it's going to get you all the way to like elite just because we like those guys coming out or you know we liked what they've done in sort of limited flashes. They might just be limited receivers that, that don't have that incredible ceiling that can take you all the way to where they want to go. Russell Wilson, as you said, like he's coming in, not just has to gel with, with Hanky, but they need to... Russell Wilson has a very specific style of play that might not be changeable, right? You might not be able to get the way Russell Wilson plays out of Russell Wilson because I think a big reason he plays like that is because he's you know under six foot and can't see, right? He has to buy himself throwing lanes and windows and all those kinds of things. So that might not go away. The offensive line, it's done a perfect job of what we say and, and you know, creep back toward average, but it is still average. Yeah. Like, an average offensive line, as much as you're fine, that's good, you're good, eventually you're going to run up against a team with a really good defensive line, and average is going to be a problem. Um, and that is the, the only flaw with the idea of creep back toward average. You definitely want to get there, but you, you, you know, it's still not great. Um, so I think as much as a year ago, we were talking about this roster as being a, an Aaron Rodgers away from a Super Bowl. It, there are some areas where it, it might just be an okay roster, and all of a sudden that's not good enough in a, year, in a year where everybody's going on this arms race, right? Kansas City, Buffalo, or not Kansas City so much, but Buffalo, the Chargers. Like the, the whole AFC has just been loading up with elite playmakers, including Denver, but that means the whole conference got harder. So even if the roster had stayed as, as it was a year ago, it might not have been enough. I definitely think that we are overestimating how quickly Russell Wilson's going to have a lot of you know, success in Denver. And a lot of that is because, um, you know, I think a lot of the reason we have high expectations is Russell Wilson is in that elite tier of quarterbacks, or at least was. But can be. Can be, right? And I think even when you look at the back half of the last season, it's like the let Russ Cook movement. Some people are blaming Pete Carroll. Some people are blaming all this stuff. It's like he also wasn't playing well. Like He wasn't playing well right. towards the back half of last season. To expect him to come in and immediately be even a top – Two quarterback in his own division, top three quarterback in his own division. Derek Carr is could be out, you know, outplay him from a PFF grading standpoint next year. I think, and I think that to me is enough to to fade them a bit versus where the market is. And um, I, I'm lower on Denver than I think a lot of where the market is. I think the market has them around like ten ish wins. I think I'm coming under that. I love referring to it as a movement, the Let Russ Cuck movement. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, kind of it's, like a, it's a cult following, approach. really. Yeah. Then people marching on Parliament in yes. Seattle, wherever yes. the state capital is in Washington. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Kansas City. Um, Kansas City, the one team that didn't really go on this arms mm-hmm. race uh, that the rest of the AFC undertook and instead went in the other direction, traded away Tyree Kill for draft picks, had one of our favorite drafts. Uh, but what's their fatal flaw? I went cornerbacks I, I don't like them losing Traverius Ward this offseason and they have Legereus Sneed who's been awesome for them uh, Rashad Fenton's still there and then they brought in Trent McDuffie from Washington in the draft I don't love that cornerback room though and I think it could be 
concerning with you know in that Spagnolo defense to how multiple they want to play. I, they don't have a lot of talent in that room. I think McDuffie is a really good cornerback prospect, but it could take time, like it does with all rookie cornerbacks, right? And then even with Snead and Fenton, they haven't been elite in any points of their career yet. Snead maybe in, in a couple games, but I don't see long, you know, developmental, you know, pieces there at corner. I, I worry. I worry about Jerry Snead. I worry about Rashad Fenton and McDuffie. I just don't think it's going to hit right away. They could be giving up a lot of yards. And I think part of me wanted to say the receiving core, but I don't. <clears throat> I don't hate it. You know, Marcus yeah. Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster is a complementary receiving core that I think Patrick Mahomes can work with. Andy Reid needs to be needs to adapt to what this offense offers now because there is no Tyreek Hill, and he's not coming back. You need to adapt what this offense does with that trio of receivers, and obviously Travis Kelsey's still there, and I think he's going to. And I think Mahomes is going to be able to adapt his, you know, his approach to the offense as well, where I don't think that any level of adapt- adaptation is going to help is that quarterback room. So that, to me, is the biggest concern is can they adapt? Because basically last season, this, this gets talked about all the time. Oh, the team has a blueprint to beat the other team, right? It's always never, it's almost always never true, right? It's just that they actually have a certain group of players that they can play in a certain style, and that was a problem. Everybody else can't replicate it. The Chiefs legitimately, there was a blueprint to stop the Chiefs last year. Everybody could do it. You yeah. just play too high, you throw, show them those looks, take away the deep ball, and they're automatically worse, right? Before you do anything else, they're worse. Mm -hmm. And then if you take extra layers to it, like what the Giants did, where you start showing them two high looks and then double-team Tyreek and Kelsey, all of a sudden they're, like, paralyzed. They can't do anything. They don't know where to go with the ball. So Kansas City, I think, took a look at that and went in a weird direction, which is let's trade away the guy that's creating the two high looks. We get rid of Tyreek Hill. He's coming up for a $30 million a year deal anyway. Get rid of him. All of a sudden we're going to see less too high. Now we go back to one single high stuff, and that's where we cook. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but like, but if that's what's causing you problems, teams are still going to run it, even yeah, exactly. if Tyreek Hill isn't there. No, Tyreek Hill might have been the reason that teams were going to two high I think high a lot of the reason was Mahomes, too, though. Well, I think, I think Tyreek Hill started off being the reason. Tyreek and Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Like, that threat, well, well, let's start going to too high because that's killing us. And then, oh, it seems you struggle with too high. Let's start running a lot of that. So that's and then that became the literally the mo to stop the Chiefs. If your solution to that is well, let's trade away the devastating deep threat. We'll bring in you know Marquez Valdez Scantling because he can run deep as well. But like we've traded away the guy that scares people, and then we'll figure it out. Teams are still going to show you that look until you show that you figured out how to be patient and not you know cause your own problems. And that was a big issue for Kansas City last mm-hmm. year. So if they haven't figured that out, they'll still be good. They still have. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and there's still playmakers there, and Travis Kelsey, and one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. But this is like fatal flaw. Can you win a Super Bowl? Yeah. If they haven't figured out how to play against two high shells and be patient and, st- and just not cause turnovers and mistakes yourself, they're not going to beat the best teams in the NFL. I, I know they can't, you know, they beat Buffalo by 13 seconds. Like, yeah. But you're not going to do that if the blueprint is that simple. The content surrounding the first four weeks of the Chiefs season is going to be incredible. Because if it's if they're really good without Tyreek Hill, it's going to be they fleece Miami and Mahomes is the GOAT and it's all this stuff. But if they suck, they're going to be like, oh, Mahomes is trash. Or like, like, oh, Mahomes was never yeah. good. I mean, product, there's already... Product of Tyreek Hill. There are already quarterback lists from people who are on TV and working in sports media that don't have Mahomes as a top five quarterback. If this <laughs> first four weeks goes a little bit south, like they lose two games or something and the offense doesn't look great, 
they're going to be like, oh my gosh, Mahomes is just a product of Tyreek Hill. It's never, he's never going to be good again. So I'm excited for that. I, I really Put do Tua like on the, in the Hall of Fame. Yes, I, I think the um, the content through the first four weeks of the NFL season is some of my favorite because it's some that of the most be, polarizing. Yeah. Well, it's because you've got it, you've such a small sample yes. size, but it's all you can but go everyone on. needs. Everyone needs the content right after week one. Oh, right. Whoever wins week one is going to the Super Bowl. Whoever loses, the whole season's and fun. it's almost all you can go on because <laughs> yeah. you can't like dive back in the yeah. last season or the season yeah. before everything was different. It would be hilarious though, like if. Mahomes had two rough games to start with, and Tua looked like a superstar for two weeks. Mm-hmm. That would create some hot takes. Yeah, like I, people would be out there. I'm excited for that. That would be a lot. I need that. I'm in. I'm in. Um, Las Vegas. All right. The Las the Raiders. Vegas Raiders. All right. I, I feel really good about the Raiders next year. I, I like the addition of, obviously, Devontae Adams. They have Hunter Renfro still there. Darren yeah. Waller. It's a good receiving court. Like, actually yes. good. And yeah. I like that they moved on from Brian Edwards. Because Brian Edwards averaged, like, the lowest yards per run outside receiver of any receiver the last two years. Auto. Auto what? Overtime and T overtime T O. Oh, okay. That's the that's who he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate Brian Edwards. I never <laughs> thought he was good coming out of South Carolina. Uh, I think the fatal flaw is obvious though. This offensive line. I mean, it is yes. bad. Colton Miller's good. And I'm hand up wrong on Colton Miller when he was coming out of UCLA. I did not think he'd develop into at least a top twelve tackle in the NFL, maybe mm-hmm. even top ten. But then after that, Denzel Good, Andre James, Alex Leatherwood, and Brandon Parker. Now, maybe one of those, maybe good, is subbed out for Dylan Parham, the, the mm-hmm. interior offensive lineman they drafted out of Memphis, or Thayer Mumford makes a play, who knows? But that, regardless, is a really, really bad offensive line. Yeah, and it might be the worst in the NFL. I don't know if their decision to bring in Mumford and Parham, specifically two interior offensive linemen, was predicated on this idea that Alex Lowe would kick out to tackle. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, that concerns me even more. I mean, yeah, like if, if you're putting Leatherwood back at right tackle, you need to have seen something pretty dramatic from him. Or your evaluation, if you're Ziegler, right, the new GM at the Raiders, yeah. like, it was like, oh, no, I liked him at tackle, and I'm going to move him right. there. But, like, but from what we saw last, like he was an absolute like, cataclysm yeah. at right tackle. Was slightly better at guard, but was still terrible. Um, like, if you're putting him right back at right tackle, and in your mind, nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. Like, we haven't seen anything different. We're just deciding that year two, he's going to get it. That, I mean, that, that's got the recipe for an absolute train wreck. It's wild that such a talented team offensively, specifically the quarterback in the skill positions, has two critical fatal flaws. The offensive line, Tenzel Good, Andre James, Alex Lillard, Brandon Parker, whatever rotation goes in, it's not going to be great. And then the secondary. Losing Casey Hayward this offseason was huge. Yeah. And now they replace him with Rocky Seen. They have Nate Hobbs in the slot, who was a really good rookie coming out of Illinois last year. But then you still have a lot of you know young. I mean a lot of youth there. Trayvon Mullen, who's been in, you know who's young and has been hurt a ton. Nate Hobbs, who's also hurt last year. Trayvon Merrick is coming into his second season. I worry a ton about this uh, this secondary as well. I think the Raiders, man, they're going to need to surprise a lot of people with players that no one's expecting to be all that good next year. Yeah, they're bad in two areas that individually can completely undermine. Can be fatal either area of the either side of the ball that. <laughs> that's risky. <laughs> as much as you went all in for pass rush and wide receiver help, and that's great, you, you, you might be screwed with the uh, the offensive line in the secondary. Um, Chargers. Chargers were one of those teams that went in with the arms race, but what have they left over? You don't, you don't have a fatal flaw for the Raids? Oh, I was, I was agreeing oh, with disagree. Okay, okay. Chargers, Chargers, I went with... Well, sorry. I believe the Raiders are flawless. Yeah. Let me see. <laughs> I'm trying to find it in the alphabetical that I did. Now I can't. <laughs> uh, I said offensive line for the Chargers as well. So okay. the... The Chargers still have some concerns, in my opinion, at right tackle. I don't know if it's going to be Trey Pipkins or yeah. Storm Norton. That's a concern. And Zion Johnson, who everyone at the Senior Bowl is like, oh, my gosh, he could start tomorrow in the NFL, still a rookie. And 
I always say this. I say this all the time, but like Tristan Wirfs is an outlier. Rashawn Slater is an outlier. Like these guys oftentimes do not come out of the gate really, really successful, specifically in pass protection. So I worry about Zion Johnson as a rookie. I think he's a phenomenal prospect and he was they're right where they took him. But still, you have either Trey Pipkins or Storm Lord at right tackle, a rookie at right guard, and I still don't really love Matt Filer at left guard either. And that is concerning. They don't have depth along the offensive line either. And you talk to some people around the league, they say, you know, the reason we weren't able to, you know, have the big plays that we wanted to with Justin Herbert wasn't because we needed a deep threat beyond Jalen Guyton. It's because the offensive line wasn't giving us enough time. I, I know they upgraded there. I just think it's going to be they're a year away potentially from having like a solidified offensive line. I think that's going to be the concern. Yeah, I think they're probably four-fifths of a solid offensive line, but that right tackle is a real concern. Mm-hmm. Like Trey Pipkins, Storm Norton, whoever that is, I mean, that's not just – that's not ideal. That's, like, actually a problem area. Yeah. Um, and, and we saw that all last season with Storm Norton. Like, they, he was bad enough that it was prohibitive. Like, he's, he's bad enough that you can't – we talk about all the time. If you've got four-fifths of a good offensive line, you're in pretty good shape because you can kind of patch up the last one. You can, but it – like, you need to do – it takes a lot of work, right? Because you've got to permanently dedicate essentially a tight end to that side or a running back and constant chipping help or – the line has to slide that way the whole time. You can kind of hide a Storm Norton, but it takes a lot of work to do that impacts other areas. Like, yeah. you can't just play the offense. You have to play the offense plus whatever you need to do to protect Storm Norton. So I would I would love for them to find a guy, like a right tackle on the street right now, that's just, we'll just give you viable play. Like, it doesn't have to be good. Yeah. Just anything. Like a Riley Reef caliber type of player where a guy can just come in and be vaguely average. And then you can forget about that side of the line. I think they need that as well. Someone in the YouTube chat who's watching live said their fatal flaw is their fourth down coaching. And I just vehemently disagree. Like I, I, anyone who – there were a lot of people. I think Michael Lombardi said that Brand Staley wouldn't have a job if he was the GM or something, mm-hmm. which is insane to say out loud. But a lot of people hate how Staley approached fourth downs and like some of those critical decisions last year. I, I am all on board as you know, working at PFF and the analytics movement, another movement. Mm. Um, I agree with a lot, every fourth down decision that uh, Brand Staley made last every year. Fourth and, down. and I think, and I think it's going to be the reason this year that they make a run, right? I, I think that he's going to stick to his guns and a lot of people are going to be eating crow when Staley goes for it on fourth down and some of these big games he's going to have against the chiefs, against the Broncos and obviously deep, hopefully deep in the postseason. that I think that's, what's going to ultimately, um, you know, push them further. Cause the, the interesting thing about Staley is that he went for fourth downs where even like the analytics yeah. data would say, Ooh, no, kick it. Like he was going for ones where even the data says, don't bother. Cause you know, like yeah. the thing that happens is, is the dude in the booth is like, ah, well, the numbers tells you to go for it every time. Yes. Like the analytics says, go for it, whatever. Yeah. They never say kick. Analytics will tell you to kick when you should kick. Yeah. And there were a bunch of times where the analytics was saying kick and Staley was still going for it. Um, and it's it's incredibly – it's interesting because it's brave because of exactly that guy in the comments, right? Yeah. <clears throat> if it doesn't work out, if you don't have like an amazing record on those fourth downs, you're going to get everybody shouting, oh, this guy's an idiot, get rid of him, fourth down's going to kill you. He's still – like being on that side of the error margin is better than being on the other side. But – it is interesting that he went all the way that side. I want more discourse <laughs> around fourth down play calling yes. and fourth down decision making. Yes. There is zero discourse after every failed fourth down decision on the play call at all. Like, yeah. no, like <laughs> zero. 
That's where the Chargers, I thought, failed a lot last year. Is that that's a lot of their play calling fail. was just ass or right. even just execution. Right? There's like, like there's, there's two there's two parts of the call, right? Simple yes or no, go, no go. If you're going for it, now what the hell is the play you're pulling out to yeah. get the three yards? Because if you're pulling out some ridiculous like some of the stuff the Steelers ran on fourth down, like fourth and long, and you run like a dump off shallow pass to um, Najee Harris. Yeah. Like, what the hell? That was never going to work. Exactly. Literally never. You could run that a hundred times and not once is it going to pick up a first down. Like, that's not a problem with going for it. That's a problem with whoever made that play call. In the big Chiefs game where they went for it like four or five times or whatever, and they got a lot of them down the stretch and whatever. But like, one of the fourth downs was when Donald Parham suffered that freak accident that I don't think we'll ever see in the NFL again where he like fell down and Right. Got knocked out. Well, they basically scored. I mean, yeah. He got KO'd in yeah. the end zone. The other one was Dan Sorensen blanketed a receiver, which <laughs> if you have a play in your book that involves that or players on your team that can get blanketed by Dan Sorensen, that's the issue. And then Jared Cook on the other one, I have this tweet up, didn't create any separation against Nick Bolton. Like those are the issues. The issues are not in the decision. The issues in that you did not have plays that created – wide open receivers or, or even close to give you opportunity. Did you see um, – so now that I'm like a TikTok superstar. Oh, yeah. I, I spent a lot of time yeah, on yeah. TikTok. <laughs> there was a uh, – so I – is it – the Saints have signed Sorensen as well, right? So now that Sorensen and Tyron Matthew have linked up together again, right? oh. somebody had created a TikTok of all these plays that are simply – they've zoomed in on Tyron Matthew as a big play goes over his head, and he's literally going – <laughs> and like, then it zooms in on Sorensen being the guy getting toasted behind him. That's incredible. And like, to, to a notice that like ever is pretty impressive. To then go and find them all because there was like half a dozen. You need of these to send plays. me that TikTok. I need. I don't know where it is. I got to find it again. But like, there were half a dozen of these plays where Matthew was just like, "What?" And like, oh, fifty yards mm-hmm. over his head, Daniel Sorensen is getting toasted by a wide receiver. But uh, I, I just thought that was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. All right, that's the whole division done. Let's see it. We, we kind of went through quick. Well, we got to. It's a two-hour <laughs> show. We've got 32 teams. There's not a lot of time to uh, that's stop fair. and smell the roses. Um, AFC South, Houston Texans. <laughs> this one's tough. This one's tough. Uh, so I wanted to give a specific fatal flaw for the Texans because right. I could have easily said, like, their roster is bad. And, yeah. like, they're, they're literally the team, uh, from a betting market perspective, expected to win the fewest amount of games. Yeah, so their fatal right. flaw is existing. Yes. But, like, I, I have – I, I, I like what they've done to add to the secondary. And I think it's going to take some time, though. Like Derek Stingley Jr., rookie. Jalen Petrie, rookie. MJ Stewart's going to probably start for this team. Terrible. Steven Nelson is probably their best cornerback tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, that's concerning. It's a combination of the, that and the pass rush, though. I think Openaya Okoronkwo getting away from Los Angeles, I think he's a breakout candidate. And I like Grenard as well as another guy that won a high volume of his reps on yeah. limited snap counts. But the interior defensive line is horrendous. Roy Lopez, Malik Collins are not offering anything on the interior pass rush. I think Malik Collins over the last two years has the worst pass rush win rate of any defensive player. So the defense is bad. They're going to give up a lot of points. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a toss-up between the secondary and the pass rush. Yeah. Um, I, it's I, not Davis Mills. It's not Davis Mills. I mean, he's not the biggest reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he's a the reason they're going to win either. Um, yeah. Like, I think the Texans, they're ultimately the fatal flaw is that they're like, they're not far along enough in the project, right? The project started when they got rid of Deshaun Watson. That's when they can actually start making moves that were mm-hmm. 
constructive as opposed to just treading water. And I like how they've approached the rebuild. I Agreed. mean, they're, they're going slow with it and, and keeping some locker room mainstays to maintain culture like Laramie Tunsil and Brandon Cooks. They are not, in my opinion, approaching this wrongly. Where you compare – we'll get to this team, but one of my favorite uh, – we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I'll save it. Um, we'll tease. No, I, I like the moves they've made. I just think you can't, you, you can't go from being like the worst roster in the NFL to being viable in – in a couple of months, particularly when most of the free agency had already happened, right? Yeah. By the time they got rid of Deshaun Watson, free agency was essentially over, and they couldn't, you know, they couldn't go crazy with the big moves. They had to tinker around the edges. I love like bringing in a guy like Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes is guaranteed fifty pressures, for yeah. you, even at this point in his career. So adding him to Akaronquo and Jonathan Grenard, like that's that pass rush might be fine. Yeah. Um, but you're right; the secondary could be rough pretty early. I'm calling out Okoronkwo as a guy that if he plays 600-plus, 700-plus snaps next year, I think he's going to impress a lot of people. I, I think he's a breakout that. candidate as a pass rusher. Colts. Colts are up next. Colts. What did I have for the Colts here? Let's <clears> see. <throat> did I accidentally skip over the Colts? Is it outdoors Matt Ryan? It's it's not outdoors <coughs> Matt Ryan. I think it's, I think it's still, for me, um, the receiving core. I, I, I like Michael Pittman Jr. a lot. I've never liked Paris Campbell. And they have Alec Pierce, who's a rookie, but I don't. Li- I think he's a limited route tree guy that you know wins on like the vertical routes, like kind of similar to what you asked DK Metcalf to do, which is at least a good compliment yes. to what you have in Michael Pitt. Yes. like they gel well as a as a duo. It, it, the receiving core, I think, worries me a bit, and then defensively, like it's still a pass rush that I think you need to see work. Like Quiddy Pay has not hit yet as a pass rusher, and Unique Ngakwe, I think, was solid for the Raiders, but. I don't think he's going to be a true number one pass rusher for them. And then on the interior defensive line, you have DeForest Buckner. Um, but I, I worry about the pass rush. I worry about the receiving core. I think they're average at a lot of the high-value positions. I like adding Stephon Gilmore, but he's still getting older. Where they're really good is the low-value positions. Running back, interior offensive line, and linebacker. Like, they have, they have really outstanding players at all those spots. Obviously, Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor is arguably the best running back in the NFL. And Darius Leonard, one of the top linebackers in the NFL. At the high-value positions, Pay, Yannick Ngakwe, receiver is Pittman, Pierce, and Campbell. And then at corner, it's Stephon Gilmore, Kenny Moore, and Isaiah Rogers. The, their lack of premium talent, they have average to above-average talent there, but their lack of premium talent at those high-end positions is super concerning. And that doesn't even bring up, obviously, the thing we're trying to avoid, quarterback. And I think Matt Ryan's an upgrade over Carson Wentz. I think a lot of people would say that. Mm-hmm. But still, not in, the, in that elite tier at a premium position. Did you see what uh, Yannick Ngakwe's uh, run defense grade was last year? Probably ass. 28. Yikes. <laughs> For a guy that is, at this point, like people know he's bad against the run, mm-hmm. so he's kind of schemed up as a designated pass rusher, and he still only manages a 28. Now, some of that is skewed by the fact that at this point in his career, he genuinely isn't even trying to play the run. Like yeah, yeah. When you're a designated pass rusher, you're rushing the passer, so if a run comes in your gap, you've probably shot eight yards upfield and left a giant hole. It's um, a big reason why the Raiders and that new like Patriots leadership came in and said we're trading away you need yeah. and going and get Chandler Jones. And, On the other uh, hand, like you're facing easier runs that way as well. So mm-hmm. to get a 28 is still still pretty awful. True. Um, I I tend to agree with you. I think their secondary is a concern. Um, they're one of those teams, though, that for a while have been able to overachieve relative to the talent level they've had in the secondary. Uh, Indianapolis has done this for a few years. Arizona has done it as well. Like last year, you look at their secondary on paper, and you're like, wow, that team's going to get wrecked every week. Yeah. And they didn't. Um, so I I – I've reached this point where I'm kind of giving the Colts a little bit of a benefit of the doubt there that I wouldn't for other teams. But on paper, it definitely does look like the the weakest area. 
I think they could win this division. I, I, I yeah. honestly think that um, it's going to be between them and Tennessee to win it. And I mean, they, you know, when you look at what happened last year, like they were a Carson Wentz implosion away from being a playoff team. They, they had to lose to Jacksonville at the, the ass end of the season. What doesn't get brought up enough in that Jaguars game is Carson Wentz had some of the best throws of the season in that game. Like his, he had that one to T.Y. Hilton, like over, it was, he had some really impressive throws. And, and then he just like never completely close. shit the bet yeah. at the end, where and he was it, just throwing picks to people's chests. Right, but also like the game, it wasn't close. Yeah, like yeah. They weren't, it wasn't like a nail biter that mm-hmm. they, oh, we just, we finally, like, no, like they got like a halftime. They were like, like 16 oh, point favorites too. It was yeah. a disaster. Like they are here. losing this game yeah. and it's not even, like they're going to need a miracle to get out of this. Um, that was bad. So oh. you have to think that Matt Ryan's probably not going to give you games like that. No. At least that's what they're hoping. I'd love to see Pittman Jr., who I really liked coming out of USC. And I know I mentioned the receiving core has some concerns. But if he takes like a real step forward and, and shows up as a number one receiver that's getting 8 to 12 targets a game and, and exceeds expectations, that would be a massive boom for the Colts. Because they need a, a true like elite player at one of these pre- premium positions. They need one. Like they, yeah. Quiddy Pay needs to hit. Michael Pittman Jr. needs to hit. Obviously, they bring in Stephon Gilmore, who was elite at one time, but I don't think he's going to be that this year. They need an elite player at one of these premium positions to really take that step forward. I also wonder if Matt Ryan is going to create some kind of pivot or focus on the tight end position more than wide receiver. Because you got a guy like Mo Cox is a freakish athlete that seems to have been underused his entire career. They just draft Jelani Woods, who's literally a singular athlete, like the, the tight end position has never seen a freak like that. Yeah. So you suddenly have those two guys on the roster and you're a little bit lower than where you want to be at receiver, that kind of says, well, let's start, you know, start feeding some targets this way. Mo Alley. <clears throat> and, you, you know, he's just come from a team that's well used to splitting a, wide, uh, splitting a tight end that wide and playing him as a wide receiver. So mm-hmm. let's see what those two guys can do in space on an island against DBs that have no hope. Mo Alley Cox is the next Kyle Pitts. Is that what you're saying? It's exactly let's get that on yeah. our social graph. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> put that one up, put it right out there on social media, put my name attached to it, yes. link it to my Twitter so that they can come right With a to pic, me. I think an image of Cox and Pitts together, and I think that would do really well. Yeah. I, think, I think that's a minimum of 1,000 <laughs> likes. I think, yeah, I, I think it would be as well. Um, Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I put here, and this, I remember I was hinting at a team that I hated their offseason. <laughs> it's the Jags. It's the Jags. I hate what the Jags did this offseason. Hate. Hate what they did. Hate it. Their best move was getting rid of Urban Meyer, and they didn't even do that this offseason. They did that in the season True. last year. True. And, and, you know, a lot of the reason why I'm not a fan of it is I think they spent a lot of money and didn't get a lot better. But so my – okay, the, the counter to that is that they have to spend money because nobody wants to go to Jacksonville. Okay. So where do you stand on that? Like if, they, if they're like, this, these are the only players we can convince to come to Jacksonville. We have to pay them this amount of money to get them in the door. Like, what is the alternative? Just sit there and do nothing? No, I, I just think you could, got, you could have got players that were in similar tiers talent-wise for cheap. But I, you I, probably I, have to add 20% of the cheap to yeah. get them to Jacksonville. I, I think you're right, but it, I don't know. I, I think that too many bad football teams use that as an excuse to pay Christian Kirk for your 72 million. Right, but or, how many of them are Jacksonville? A lot Jacksonville? of them are Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> but so they, they pay, they bring in Kirk, Scherf, Oluokun, Darius Williams, Fatu Kasi, and Zay Jones, all on at least all three-year, multiple-year deals, all and all over $20 million across. Like that is an insane amount of money to, I don't think, a lot of players said, like, objectively improve them. And they lose DJ Chark. They lose Miles Jack. They cut Miles Jack. And then they lose Andrew Norwell as well. I, I worry about how they've spent big on multi-year contracts on a team that's still trying to find itself. 
And I think this receiving core is their biggest flaw. So I think, yeah, the, the thing that I don't like about what they did is, so they were the team that did the, the, I also didn't like their draft. Like Trayvon Walker, I would have picked a different player there. Yeah. I, I, I didn't like who they brought in in the draft. I didn't like who, how much they spent and who they spent on in free agency. My favorite signing was probably Fatu Kasi. Yeah. Then you go and trade back up into the first round and grab Devin Lloyd after making Foye Luikin the high, one of the highest paid linebackers and cutting Miles Jack, and then you grab Chad Muma and in the third, like it just made it just made no sense. It was very all inconsistent. Those moves, yeah, all of those moves are for a position that there's doesn't. no cohesion. There's no cohesion in this roster building plan. Yeah. Like there's there's no like with the Detroit Lions, there's like a thought process. You can see it. You can feel it. You can you can smell the vision. With the Jags, it's like they're just throwing shit at the wall and finding out all of the shit is sticking and it's on their roster. <laughs> And it's 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 Kirk. It's it's bringing in Zay Jones with how much they paid Zay Jones. I I, I just don't know. They're going to come out of this year still not winning a lot of football games, still not putting Trevor Lawrence in a really really good position to succeed, and finding themselves probably having to cut some of these guys because they spent way too much money. I like that because you. That's literally the argument I made. I think coming out of the draft was that the thing that I don't like is you can't discern a plan for what they're doing. Yes, like you can't. If you can't see a strategy from the outside of a team's moves, it's probably not a good thing there probably isn't a strategy and if there isn't a strategy you're not going to get better yeah because you're just guessing um the thing that they did that it kind of highlights to me is so they were the team that went and paid big money to brandon sheriff right mm-hmm. the, the classic top of the market free agency deal even just generally speaking if the teams making the top of the market free agency deal are usually not the ones making good business like the, the second tier yes. guys are the ones that get the value um and when you have an offensive line like Jacksonville's that needs help a lot of places, it's not getting fixed by throwing all of the money at Brandon Scherf. Whereas if you did what Cincinnati did and take that money and get three guys, you know, you're better. Mm-hmm. Like just get three mid-tier free agents or two or whatever. Like take that money and, they and dedicate are a team it to other that, places. They are a team that should be chasing, like you said, mid-tier free agents. Like you don't – like even like – even this, like, second wave, right? Like, why not? Like, I'd rather have seen them sign, like, Julio Jones. Like, like, like on short-term deals because they don't know what's going to work. They're not in a position to start investing on multi-year contracts because they don't know who's going to be a part of this team. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I think you have to compare it to, I, I think, so you compare the Jaguars' build to the Jets' build, who are in a very similar spot. They drafted a really big you know, high-end quarterback, or they hope is a high-end quarterback, and they had to pretty much rebuild their entire roster. The Jets have approached it so much better with the Corey Davis signing two years ago. I like the Elijah Moore draft pick. Then they draft Garrett Wilson. They bring in C.J. Uzama on a mid-tier deal. They bring in Lincoln Tomlinson on a mid-tier deal. They draft Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, they signed Carl Lawson, signed Sheldon Rankins the previous year. Like They have done it right, in my opinion. The Jaguars, on the other hand, I think spent a lot of money on not a lot of talent. Um, to me, like the fatal flaw is that I, I don't think they've done enough around Trevor Lawrence. Like the, yeah. the, the supporting Jets, cast is not good. <clears throat> the Jets have at least approached this like the most important person attached to this franchise is the guy under center. Mm-hmm. So we have to do everything humanly possible to make sure that that guy's life is good next year, which means new receivers, which means keep building the offensive line, make sure that thing is bulletproof, and um, continue on that track. The Jags didn't really like they okay they spent big on Brandon Sheriff but as we just said that's one guy that's not fixing an offensive line that wasn't good overall um the wide receiver core like look at it it's Zay Jones Marvin Jones Christian Kirk Laquan Treadwell was like part of the receiving core last year and I'm scared half decent I'm one. scared I, it's this is not good LaVisca Chenault who are you looking at from that group and then the tight end room is you know Dan Arnold Evan Ingram 
Evan Ingram wasn't a bad like roll of the dice, but still. No, like, no. That was one of my favorite signings, too, because they didn't spend a lot of money. And it's right. like a one-year contract. But now you're looking at this, and you're like, who of these guys are making Trevor Lawrence look good? And Doug helping? Peterson, and that's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like That's the only addition that they've made, in my opinion, this offseason that's going to— that's objectively an upgrade and going to improve this team. Right. <clears throat> and that's, that's pretty scary. Tennessee. Yeah. All right. What did I have for Tennessee here? We, I didn't mean to bag on. I don't know how much Jaguars fans <laughs> listen to your pod, but I did go in a Probably little bit less there. Than, than before. <laughs> um, I think the, the biggest issue, and I think Vrabel was very much show, you know, showed this on his sleeve, is replacing A.J. Brown. Replacing A.J. Brown is going to be very difficult. Um, he, he, 21 days before they traded him, he said he will not be traded as long as I'm the head coach. Yes. And then Paul Kukarski asked him in that post, post-draft post press conference. Did you see this? No. He asked him, he, <laughs> he asked him, he said, hey, coach, you said 21 days as, long as, I'm, as long as I'm a head coach, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hey, thanks for reading my words back to me. He was pissed. It was incredible. <laughs> it was incredible. Vrabel, I love how much he's like. An emotional dude. Ray will low-key hates the media. Yes. Not even low-key. The guy just hates the media. Like, that dude. So as much as, you know, when he's in a good mood, you'll see him wandering around, like, the Super Bowl or a combine or whatever, and he's nice and happy and chatting to people. But when he's not in the mood for it, that dude does not want to be wheeled out in front of a press corps, and Mm -hmm. he will will let them know that he's in no mood to be doing this crap. So I think replacing A.J. Brown is going to be tough. I liked that they brought in Robert Woods, but Traylon Burks who I was lower on than the consensus, but still, I still like him as a player. I liked him as a top 50 player in this class. I, I don't feel that it's going to be a one-for-one replacement. It's going to take time for him to replace that role in the offense. And then look at this offensive line, dude. Taylor Luan at left tackle, which is great. Then you have Aaron Brewer, Ben Jones, Nate Davis, and Dylan Radins across that rest of the offensive line. That's a huge concern. They're going to be really, you know, I think they're going to focus a lot of the offense around Derrick Henry. They're not going to have the success as a passing attack that they had the previous year. I worry about this Titans team, and I like the Colts to win the division because of it. I, I like the Colts. I think they're favored right now at plus 110. I think the Titans are like plus 150. It's close. But I, I like the Colts to win this division. I think those are two big of fatal flaws, replacing A.J. Brown and this offensive line um, to do it. Now, if all of the Titans' offensive line listens to Taylor Luan and pays PFF 50 grand a piece to get mm. the grades up, maybe they'll be better, but who knows? I, I love that that keeps coming up. Yeah. Because right? that, I think the first guy I ever yeah, heard... Yeah, you've been here a long time. How long have you heard that? It's a long time. Who was the first guy? It was some... Um, God, Derek Wolf, Wolf right? Yes, Derek Wolf. Derek Wolf was the first guy that brought it up, right? And it keeps coming back. And the funniest thing is... Every time it comes back, it comes back from a guy that you would bet money mm-hmm. believes the earth is flat or that, like, Bill Gates is trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to control the, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. You'd bet, like, he subscribes to that kind of manifesto. So, yeah. Taylor he doesn't Luan, dispel it, at least. Yeah. Taylor Luan believes that <laughs> believes that players can just pay 50 grand to PFF and have their grades, like, boosted through the moon. So I have a take on it, actually. Oh, and I can speak- I give mine first? Go ahead. Go ahead. Because it's just on its face idiotic, right? Like, legitimately dumb like we work with all 32 nfl teams who have a fairly adversarial relationship with their individual players from a contract true right they negotiate both sides Mm -hmm. negotiate using pff stuff right we also have how many college teams now like 110 or whatever i think that almost 120 right the networks like all these people paying us large sums of money Mm -hmm. do you know how many players would have to pay us 50 grand for us to be, like, boosting their grades random to the point where the entire system, like, makes no sense ah. for it to offset the amount of money we're getting from those people, yeah. right? It's just 
It's absurd. Like, no. It's blatantly stupid. I also would want to know which players have paid us because I can't think of like I can't think of a, a player that has like like that came out of a season with a crazy grade and everyone's like, "Are you kidding me?" There's right. no way. Like I don't know. And are no, they it did occur to me? Is like, it fifty grand? Fifty grand per like five points? Like I want to know what the right. structure is too. That's true. One's, what does fifty grand get you? Yeah, like, yeah. How many grades boosted through the moon? So this is what I think it is. I, I have a take, okay. and I want to speak candidly on it. So we work with all three two NFL teams. We work with almost 120 college football teams. But we also work with all the agents. And agents mm-hmm. work with us to get packets of information on their players. Yep. Like, so, like, um, I don't know which ones I can speak specifically to. But, like, there's, right. a, there's a player that is going up for a contract negotiation. Like, he's going into free agency. Mm-hmm. And his agent will reach out to PFF and leverage data and leverage a lot of our analysis and research to – Show that he like specifically for offensive linemen because there isn't a lot of advanced data sure. on offensive linemen. So we'll get a lot of offensive linemen. We'll get like cornerbacks oftentimes, and the agents will say, "Can you put together pretty much a presentation yeah. or a PDF of you know what he's good at and all this stuff?" Obviously, making the player look positive and not boosting the grades. Essentially, you're right. not like you're not going back and like, "Hey, I need a contract for." I'm trying to think of like a terrible player like Storm Norton. Can you help me out? It's like, buddy, there's nothing here. <laughs> we don't got anything for you. He's played a lot. Maybe that's will help you. But so I think that's what he's that's what he's manipulating the truth of though. Because I think it's not rooted in just complete garbage. I, I do think that I think it might be rooted. In I think Luan garbage. has heard. Like a player that he's a teammate of, right? And he's like, yeah, my agent is paying PFF to help me get a new contract. Which happens. That's true. That, yeah. And I think he reads that as like, <laughs> oh, and then PFF just boosts your ass up. And, then, and now you're getting all this dumb. Yeah. I think that's what they he's They go in as. and they just put plus 20 to the grade. Because I think it's happened too much. It's happened way too much to not be like somewhat miscon. It's got to be something along yeah, those lines, but right? as I said, like maybe, look, maybe. look who it's coming from. I don't know. No, like, you're right. So you're right. I remember, don't you, don't you kind of see my logic there, though? I do. No, no. I agree. I, that, that's an entirely plausible way of viewing it, I right? think that's what it and is. And if it had come from people that I didn't think subscribe to, like, pamphlets on, <laughs> on like, stockpiling, you know, canned goods and yeah. stuff, then I might buy it. But remember, I've had this theory that, like, 25% of people will believe in literally anything. You know, 25% of people believe that aliens walk amongst us. 25% mm-hmm. of people believe the Bill, Ga- the Bill Gates stuff. 25% of people, I think, is just a number that no matter what the question is, 25, like that's your cutoff, they'll buy it, right? Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is that everyone that said the PFF, you know, takes money to boost player grades thing, they all belong to that 25%. You know? Fair. I think that's fair. All right. Uh, Where were we? Uh, we were on the Titans. That's okay. where the Terry Luan thing came yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. But I said replacing A.J. Brown in the offensive line probably their fatal flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, don't you think that – so the Robert Woods thing is nice, but if Robert Woods cost you A.J. Brown, it's a bad move, yeah. right? I don't think it cost them A.J. Brown, did it? Didn't, I mean, Robert Woods on like $16 million a year. What cost them A.J. Brown? Did you see the report that they were offering him a, like a four-year $16 million – or $16 million per? Like what cost you A.J. Brown? It was like that's – Stupid. Right, but, but did you only do that because you got Robert Woods in? Suddenly Maybe. you got a sixteen million dollar. I think it's devaluing the receiver position. Though. I mean, like just devaluing how good AJ Brown was. Like you don't like. Yeah, I get your cap con- cap constraint, but I also think you, you have enough logic to know that AJ Brown wants a lot more than that, and is is going to get a lot more than that if you don't you know make a play. Yeah, I just I that one that seems like a weird move to me to bring in a guy for like serious money, yeah. not top of the market money. And then say bye bye to a an AJ Brown because you don't have the twenty five million a year that he's yeah. going to get for Philadelphia. Like the Chargers were able to keep two wide receivers for twenty million each. You know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, those guys are both taking twenty million a year. You could have made it work potentially, but it's still it's a strange move to make. Um, I I agree with you that I think that 
Someone said in the YouTube chat following along, Bobby Day, Colton Miller slid y'all a couple racks to boost his grade. <laughs> if, if I wish that happened because I was so low on Colton Miller, I was pissed that he graded well. I was like, you know, I saw the video and it just was funny, right? Yeah. But then I was like, that being said, if if I found out that like Mike Renner had been doing that as a side hustle for I like be the last five years, yeah, like that was my opinion. Yeah. It's like, I don't think he is, mm-hmm. but would I be completely shocked? Because no. that's how it would have to happen. Yes. Because like, somebody going rogue on the side, just like boosting the grades. And you know and who I, has most access to the grades? Steve that? P. That's true. I Steve Palazzolo is probably well, – he's on PTO again, and he's so like I, collecting I, a check. I made that joke to Ben. He was like, no, I cut Renner off. <laughs> oh, nice, 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 nice. <laughs> he's like, he can't, I even bet if you he Steve, wanted to. Why is Tom Brady graded so well over the last few years? That's true. And who has enough money to send 50K to Steve Palazzolo every year? That's the conspiracy oh, I want well, to buy He's been into. taking less. Why yeah. do you think he's been taking less? Because you know. oh, Stevie. All right. Um, Stevie P is just cutting <laughs> – Titans. Don't love the receiving core. Don't love the offensive line. Honestly, quietly, though, I think that's secondary, the cornerback spot. So they've invested a lot in it. Yeah. But they haven't panned out yet. No. Right? Christian Fulton, Caleb Farley, the first-round like pick. Yeah, I like Molden. But he Molden, like, you know. Um, Roger McCreary this year, I, I, the longer the draft process went on, the more I kind of understood why he wasn't seen as high as some mm-hmm. of these other corners, even though his grades have been good and he's been battle-tested was yeah. the term. Like, there's a reason the guy was battle-tested because mm-hmm. he was – not that hard to complete passes on. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden, like their safeties are great. Kevin Byard, Amari, Amani Hooker. But that's a group of corners that could get toasted pretty regularly. Their, their quarterbacks weren't good last year. Particularly, I mean, by the way, if they don't find pass rush. Mm-hmm. And they're not finding pass rush because they keep throwing money at not great pass rushers. Jeffrey Simmons I like. Danico yes. Autry is one of the more underrated players in the NFL. Former Raid. Um, and then, but Harold Landry, Bud Dupree. I'm mm. worried. Yeah. Where do you stand on the nickname Bad Dupree? Bad Dupree, <laughs> I don't, I don't love it. You don't love it. Okay. I remember only because I remember when George Chahuri, who's an analyst here at PFF, I think he's also the GM of Consumer. He um, he called out the Steelers for being the most overrated team when they were on that undefeated run. That Bud Dupree like wanted to kill him or something. Oh. I, I kind of like to positively talk about Bud Dupree. Plus, he gives me fifty k to boost his grade. <laughs> of course, yeah, dude. If Bud was giving you, imagine how bad he would have to be yeah. to start with. Yeah, that's that's a rough place. All right, AFC East, Buffalo. This one's tough, right? Because the Buffalo Bills are the favorite to win the Super Bowl in 2022. So finding a fatal flaw for the Bills is easier said than done. I did say, though, their offensive line. So I worry a little bit about the Ryan Bates-Spencer Brown combo on the right side, and I worry about that. You know, They they don't have John Feliciano, who was a depth piece for them last year, but I— Bodger was not good for them last year, and they still finished first in pass blocking grade in 2021. Yeah. So it's still a really good team. I just couldn't find another flaw. <laughs> Spencer Brown isn't good. That's all I know. And right, maybe just specifically right tackle. Like right tackle, Spencer Brown needs to take a massive step forward if he's not going to be a liability last year. Because I think Bates and Brown are probably my biggest worries on this roster. Yeah. Outside of that, though, like I really, like, they added Von Miller this offseason. Like, it's, it's a really, really I like the Kyrie Elam pick. They're the favorites to win the Super Bowl for a good reason. Yeah, right? a if really you're going to be real about this, it's like an injury to Josh Allen, but we're not going to say that. Right. It is a really good roster. Like normally I would be like, hey, Kyrie Elam, a rookie corner mm-hmm. starting day one. That's that's usually not a good recipe, but this is a defense that protects the secondary. Like there's a reason those guys all grade well every year, even though the talent level isn't necessarily yeah. amazing. Um because they're protected. Like mm-hmm. Micah Hyde, Jordan oh. Poyer always grade through the roof because they play in that scheme that you know, even before, when you go back when they were in Carolina mm-hmm. and you had Kirk Coleman was grading really well because that, that safeties are protected in that scheme. Like it's a good defense for making sure nobody individually in the secondary 
gets wrecked. Mm-hmm. So for a guy like Kyrie Elam, it's the best. It might be the best situation in the NFL to step into and be okay year one. We're so, peeling back the curtain a little bit here, but Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, I think, is a phenomenal safety tandem, one of the best safety tandems over the last 10 years. Jordan Poyer is a big anti-PFF guy. Oh, yeah? He sends DMs to the main account constantly <laughs> asking for clarity on grades and all that stuff. And I've tried to get him in the office. I've like mm. I said, hey, have him email me, have him DM me or whatever. And like we'll try and book some flights and get him out to the office so he can see the grades. And he's just never got back to me. So he only kind of wants to chirp. But he, I, I'm not calling him out. But I'm saying I would love to get Jordan Poyer here and, my, and show him some stuff. That's my favorite thing of no longer having to deal with the main PFF account is not having to get the DMs from players bitching about their grades all the time. I started at PFF and customer service. Yeah. And I, I think a high percentage of DMs were players' moms in college <laughs> asking, or players' dads in college asking why their son sucked. Mm. Like some random defensive back for Colorado State's getting torched, and he's like, "He did not play that poorly. What are you doing?" It was, uh, it was a rough scene in customer service. Yeah, between that and the DMs of like, it's amazing. So people are like, "Oh, nobody cares about PFF." Like, dude, you, you should see the DMs. Oh like, my god, not just players and not just bad players, but like all pros. Like, I, I would get a regular weekly DM from an all-pro cornerback complain, like, just making sure that we had the tally for, yeah. like, past breakups, right? It's like, no, I had two of those that day. Yeah. Like, yeah, but one of them is this thing that we put down as an HD. It's not a like, – yeah. it's the same play. You're getting the same grade I like for that it. stuff, though. It just doesn't go down in the PD column. It, it maintains a lot of the integrity of the grades. I mean, I think it maintains it by, like, you know, having that open line of communication. I mean, I'm fine something. with it existing. I just don't want to yeah. be on the end of it. No, no, that's fair. Miami, Miami Dolphins. So I only, I only. This put, is one of your two quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only put quarterback for two teams, and it's this one is one of them. Two it's talking about this team is good. I like Chase Edmonds. I like Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. Like this is a really, really talented football team. I, I think there's reason to think that newness at coach bringing Mike McDaniel could take some time. But man, he's got so many weapons. I think the offensive line has improved with Connor Williams and Tron Armstead coming in. This is a Damn good football team. And Tua is in a prime position not to win the division, I don't think, but to go to the postseason. Like, I think he can go to the playoffs with this team if he takes even 10%, 15% improvement. The biggest worry with Tua is not if he'll improve, it's just how much. And I just, I, I think there's a good chance that he, there's a good chance that he, like, is stagnant in how much he gets, how much he improves. But if he finds a way, find a way here to, uh, to take a small step forward, even as a small step, I think this Miami Dolphins team makes the postseason. I, I think he's the biggest flaw. All right, I could see that. Um, but we did say we were going to find a non-quarterback. Yeah, reason. that's on me. That's I think, on me. I think the offensive line is still a concern. They've definitely moved in the right direction. Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, that should immediately make sure the left side is fine. Um, the, the combination of center right guard Michael Dieter, Austin Jackson. I assume Robert Hunt is going back to right tackle, where I think he's better. So. That would leave three-fifths of the offensive line in decent shape, but two-fifths are a problem. Mm-hmm. That could be an issue quite quickly. Um, though, by the way, I think the other thing, we shouldn't overlook the bump that this offensive line probably gets from this scheme coming in. Yeah. Like, this scheme is offensive line friendly as well as quarterback friendly and running Very. back friendly and everything else. Like The line immediately <laughs> probably looks a lot better just by having that system in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other concern I have is like, so we look at this and we're like, oh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill – this offense has not been good at getting more than one playmaker to go off at the same time, right? For the 49ers, it was, first of all, it was George Kittle. And I was like, where's the number one wide receiver? I was like, well, it's, it's George Kittle. Like, yeah. you don't have a wide receiver doing it. It's just George Kittle putting up stupid numbers. 
And then they got Debo Samuel, and Debo Samuel became that guy. And Kittle kind of faded off into the background. And then every time Debo was out of the lineup, Kittle would go off for like 200 yards in a game. They, can't, they couldn't get them firing at the same time, right? It was all running through one guy. Can they do that now? Or is this just going to be the Tyreek Hill show and Jalen Waddle gets kind of isolated and pushed to the side? Can they figure out a way of making both those guys yeah. go nuts at the same time? Because if they can, there's kind of a cap to how good that can be. I, I think they can. I, I mean, I think that it's they're going to, by just need, distribute the ball better than maybe you know San Francisco did with the same kind of offense, right? I think Mike McDaniel is going to come in, I think spread the wealth to Edmonds, Hill, Waddle, Kosicki, and this offense, if Tua, again, takes a small step forward, I think it'd be really good. Even with the concerns along the offensive line, like Dieter, Hunt, Eichenberg, those three have could easily be below average starters for them next year, which is a which is a death blow, but they're going to get the ball out fast. They're not going to, you know, I think I think, like you said, this this offense is good for offensive lines that maybe are lacking. It's all about distributing the ball and, and, and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle staying healthy and, and being one of the most dangerous threats. I mean, that's a dangerous, dangerous tandem to, to stop uh, in the NFL. New England. New England Patriots. I went receiving core. Really? I like Jacoby Myers a lot. I don't think he's a one. I don't like Devontae Parker. I've never have. And I don't think he's a one. <laughs> wow. Kendrick Bourne. Also, not a one. Like, they have a bunch of number two-ish receivers, and they drastically misused their tight ends last year. Like, I was so confused by how much they invested in Hunter Henry and John Smith for them to never really see the field at the same time. Right. I think John Smith played, like, fewer than 400 snaps or something. Like, it was, it was weird what they did with their skill players, and I don't think it's enough, right? And Mac Jones, like, some people have this conversation around him being capped and how much more is he going to improve. We know what he is and all that stuff. I don't worry about that as much as I do. It's like he just doesn't have elite weapons, like, anywhere. And then the offensive line, you're starting Cole Strange, who, coming from Chattanooga, I think could take some time, even though he could be, you know, an all-pro, who knows. But, like, it's going to take some time for the offensive line. This offense and the supporting cast around Mac Jones, specifically the receiving core, I just don't think is good enough to vault a Mac Jones-led offense into the elite tier? Um, no, I mean, yeah. I, I'm i not sure that's a fatal flaw as much as just that offense isn't elite. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the wide receiver core is fine. Like, you're right. They don't have a number one. But I think they've gotten good enough across the board that they've kind of offset that. They're taking the approach of let's just get a bunch of guys that can win rather than one guy that can win everywhere. And I don't hate that as a strategy, particularly when you have invested in the tight ends already. Um, in theory, there's a, there's a receiving core there that's perfectly functional, I mm-hmm. think. Partic- and with a good offensive line, I think the offense should be fine. My concern is cornerback. Like, you traded away, or you traded away Stephon Gilmore. You let J.C. Jackson walk out the door. Now look at your corners. Like, it's Terrence Mitchell and Jalen Mills and Jonathan Jones and Malcolm Butler back for a second go-around. Um, Marcus Jones you just drafted like that. That's a group that should be getting torched every week. Yeah. It really is. I worry about the cornerback room, too. That's a good call out. I don't know. It's hard to ever look at. I mean, when's the last time a Bill Belichick defense was getting torched on the back end? Though? Right. It's been a long time. And this is the, room, the group to do it. I, I just still have faith in Belichick, like, finding a way on defense. And also, by the way, who's, like, calling the offense? Like, they don't have an offense coordinator. 
Bill. It's Bill. It's all Bill. Right. So if Bill's not co- coaching the offense, does he have time to make Bill sure Bill Belichick Jaylen... is the fatal flaw, quote graphic, <laughs> Sam Monson. Does, does Bill now have time to make sure that Jalen Mills isn't getting wrecked on the back end because he's got to deal with the offense? He didn't have time to scout, obviously. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to bag on the Patriots draft. I think the, the reason everyone doesn't like the Patriots draft is because they drafted players that were lower on the consensus board. Yeah. I think that's bad process, but still, Cole Strange, Tyquan Thornton could be developed into And there is players. evidence to say that, that that is bad process, like mm-hmm. overall. Yes. Whereas interesting so we had eric eager on last week and he was saying that there isn't a ton of evidence to say that like uh value like bargains guys that slide mm-hmm. and then get drafted there's not a lot of evidence to say that those guys actually turn out better than players just picked at that position um it's and that's just because that, to butt in there that's because so many teams have passed them on already yeah that there's a reason that's drawing that right and it's injuries right. or it's whatever so like, generally speaking everyone feels great about those drafts because mm-hmm. they all had them higher in their yeah. boards but there's a reason those guys are sliding exactly. so there isn't actually evidence to say that's a good draft it's Whereas, a larger sample size of decisions right but the flip side if you're consistently reaching mm-hmm. for players that everybody else thinks are worse there is evidence to say that yes. those don't work because that's one decision yes. right? it's one decision to make see, a player reach see mayock michael Exactly. For, you know. And I, the evidence I like even in addition to that is 87% of the players in the first 32 on the athletic media consensus board win in the first round. Like why are – and then <laughs> and then if you go through the first three rounds, which is 105 picks, 82% of the first 105 players on the media consensus board win in the first three rounds. Like why are you playing a different game than everyone else? Like you've been right. given the rules to a board game. That's what the draft is. The draft is just a game. You've been given the rules, you've been given all this data, and you're still making decisions that are just... It's like hitting on an 18 if you get a 3 in blackjack is good result, not good process. Drafting a player that's in like the 200s on the consensus board in the first round could be a good result if Cole Strange is an all-pro, but it's not good process because it just doesn't make any sense. It's bad even if you hit because you could have gotten him lower down. Exactly. That's the whole point of all this. All right, sorry. Um, New York Jets. The New York football Jets. No one says that. Uh, I put pass rush for the Jets. Really? Carl Lawson needs to stay healthy. Yeah. And John Franklin Myers, I don't see as even a top 15 pass rusher. He's great against a run, but he's not a good pass rusher. Sheldon Rankins needs to stay healthy. And Quinn Williams has never hit. Like, this defensive line is a lot of, oh, I think they could be good, or I hope they're good. I don't think they're going to rush the passer well unless Carl Lawson plays a full 17-game season and Franklin Myers finds something in him. Rankins is also healthy. Jermaine Johnson coming in. Jermaine Johnson, I, I, I think, I don't think starts over Myers, though. They really like no, Franklin Myers. I mean, Myers. there's going to be a rotation. Like, a rotation. Maybe Jermaine Johnson helps. I, I still worry about the pass rush. I think it's a lot of hope. It's a lot of, you know, um, optimism that these guys will hit and these guys will stay healthy. I think that's too much, in my opinion. And when you factor in the secondary, too, Sauce Gardner is a big win. TJ Reed, I think, is an average to above-average starter. But after that, there's some worries. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's still some issues in the secondary. I think the, I think the front four will be okay. Okay. Um, my issue is the second level. Um, when you think about what this defense looked like with the 49ers, like it went to a different level when Fred Warner showed up. Mm-hmm. And Fred Warner is one of those few linebackers in the NFL that can actually make a difference uh, in coverage, right? His range and his ability to get in throwing lanes, it reduces the windows the quarterbacks have to work with. And Fred Warner can do this. Darius Leonard can do this. Eric Kendricks can do this. There's a few guys that can still get this done, and most other guys you can't. They're just trying to occupy space and hopefully occupy the right space and just cause problems. Then you have bad linebackers that can't even occupy the space, and you're just like, this is just an open target in the second level. Uh, when you look at this group, that's what this is. Like, yeah. This is just open season at the second level and the, against the Jets' secondary. And if they were playing you know, cover three, backing off, giving space – 
those linebackers are just going to get wrecked in coverage. I know we're not talking quarterbacks, but I'm not on your podcast often. I don't know your official take. What do you think Zach Wilson is in 2022? I don't know. I mean, I think he was bad. You know what? And like a lot he was of those bad guys, in a way too that we just didn't see at BYU. That's the, that was, and it wasn't just him. There was a lot of concerns from the guys last year that like they weren't just bad, but they didn't really show the things that we were expecting. To, like it wasn't volatile. It was just bad. Yeah. You know that was really worrying for Wilson. So th- they did a great job of helping him out and. You know, the optimistic side of it says, well, this is what Josh Allen did, right? He was bad year one. He was kind of bad year two, but there was there was signs. There were green shoots. There were things you could hang your hat on and say, yeah, it's moving in the right direction. The team's getting better around him. And then they added Stephon Diggs, and the whole thing went to the moon. Um, the least accurate quarterback in 2021 was Zach Wilson. That's the concern. With, like, a low average depth yeah, of target yeah. as well. Like just, just and, like, bad. at BYU, he was the most accurate quarterback in the country, according to PFF's chart. Yeah. And so, there's not a lot of volatility in that when you, you know, control for clean pocket or yeah. control for depth. And he was low and high, high in college and low in the NFL. That, I bank on getting closer to average next year. I don't think – if he's, again, one of the lowest, you know, least accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, that would be stunning. Like the guy's got the yips or something. Yeah, like his sort of data profile from last year was concerning. Like not just, oh, this isn't great. He hasn't looked great year one. A lot of guys don't, but that was actually worrisome. So they've done a great job of building around him, but he needs to show something this year. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, that's that division done, which means it's time for an ad read. This one apparently is... The uh, Get Sunday? The lead presenting sponsor of the podcast. Get Sunday. I was doing this yesterday. I was out there on the lawn with the Get Sunday pouch uh, spraying it. Does your lawn have weeds, bear patches, or pet spots? Does it, Austin? Does I don't have lawn? a lawn. I've never had a lawn. Wow. Never had a lawn. I've never had a lawn. <laughs> Sunday can help you solve all these problems and more the easy way. They've got everything you need from fertilizer to seeds to weed control, and it's all delivered right to your door. It really is, right? So this box shows up. Um, yeah, walk me through it because I have no idea. So you go on the website, you type in your address. They have like a satellite picture of your house, which automatically no way. calculates like the size of your lawn, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you have an X whatever square footage lawn. We got you, right? And then they, we we, got you. We, everything you need is going to show up. So this box arrives in the door with the attachment for the garden hose and then this pouch. Mm-hmm. And you just hook it up, connect it to, there you go, in those pictures. Connect it to, turn it on, boom, hose on. Then you just spray the lawn with this stuff which has, like, fertilizer, um, all the stuff in there to, to kill weeds and do everything you need, pet, family safe, all this kind of stuff. Oh, and so it's not a lawnmower thing. No, no, no. Look, it's, it's like an attachment to the, the spray, the hose. Um, Dude, look at that guy having a fucking blast. I'm telling you. And then it also <laughs> comes with this, like, soil sampling kit. So you, like, dig a little bit of your, of your lawn, send it <laughs> off to them, and they're like, oh, now we're into, like, this is 2.0. Now we can tell you exactly what needs to go on this thing and nail it. And here's the thing. I got a theory. There are two different types of people in this world, right? There's the type of gardening green thumb person that, like, loves this stuff, right? We'll spend all Sunday out in their garden just doing stuff. Loving it. They will like this because it will make their lawn look amazing. And then you got the people like me who hate this kind of stuff but will like this because you just have to spend 20 minutes with this thing attached to the hose and spray your lawn. I like that. Like, if all I got to do to fix the lawn is spray it down with this stuff, I'm in. Lusher, greener, self-sustaining lawns. Better yes. ingredients for people, pets, and the planet. That's what we're saying. Everything you need delivered to your door. Wow. Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at just $129, and you get 20% off at checkout when you visit getsunday.com slash 
NFL. Oop, I'm on the wrong thing again. You suck? No, I'm not. The thing that... Can we get like these ad reads sorted out? This is the wrong, like, the wrong podcast is put in here. I assume it's slash NFL pod, but it could be slash PFF slash I tailgate. Can't quite tell, yeah, or slash tailgate. Get them the credit. That's twenty percent off your custom plan at getsunday.com slash some random. No, yours is also slash forecast. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that was an incredible read. If I ever get a lawn, I'm getting Sunday. I'm being I'm being undone by the ad read document. Just I'm, just on the pictures alone on the website, it just looked like every family with those lawns had it's such a phenomenal time. They were enjoying themselves, it. They looked really right? they looked really stoked. I mean, look, so. the, the box arrives at your house. You're going to be happy. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Can't wait. All right, Baltimore, AFC North, the Ravens. I am worried. I'm worried about the Ravens. Really? I want to support the Ravens. Okay. But their receiving core is scary. I don't like the depth after Rashad Bateman. And Rashad Bateman, who I loved coming out of Minnesota, still needs to take a step forward. Sure. But after Bateman, like there's not <laughs> there's not a lot of talent in the receiving core. Now I know they have Mark Andrews and I know they like to run a fullback with Patrick Ricard. Like they're not gonna run a lot of three wide receiver sets. It's a big reason why Marquise Brown is leaving and wanted to leave even after his second season in Baltimore. I, I just I just think that if they get into situations where they need to stretch it out and throw the football, run more three wide receiver sets, like the Devin Duvernay after depth. I mean, it's just not going to be good enough. I just don't think this receiving core is good enough if they need to get into obvious passing situations. Now, their whole offense is predicated on not, right? Their whole offense is is you're hoping that a heavy load of running the ball with Lamar Jackson and company and J.K. Dobbins coming back is going to be enough to not force yourself into passing attacks. But I think that the receiving core is bad enough to where I think it could be a fatal flaw. They feel like a classic example of a team that could pick up a veteran before the start of the season. They should. Like Julio. Guy. Yeah. Somebody like that that's available and can just come in and not be Devin DuVernay. You know? I like that. That's all I'm asking for. Um, I, I, I kind of think the pass rush could be a problem. Like, okay. Adafi Owe was pretty good year one, but would need to take a pretty ste- sizable step forward to be like the guy that you're leaning on. Baltimore's very good at scheming pressure, so it's a, it's a smaller problem than other teams that would have this but Calais Campbell has got to be reaching the end at some point right like he can't go on forever um like when you look at their their true edge rushers Tyus Bowser Jalen Ferguson David Ajabo obviously he's going to probably have the red shirt type year one there's not a ton of guys where you're looking at and saying that guy's bringing consistent pressure week after week after yeah. week that that's going to make a difference for this team Adafi Owe has to take a step has to take a step if it's going to work out uh Cincinnati Hometown Bengals. Oh, man. This one was... I had a really hard time identifying what their fatal flaw was. Haven't they done an absurdly good job of going yes. from, like, a flawed team to a pretty good one? Yes. And, like, very quickly? I, I like their receiving core. I, I like their pass rush better than I thought I would with uh, Trey Hendricks and Sam Hubbard, Reader and B.J. Hill along the defensive line. Their secondary is hot. Chidobe Awuzie, Mike Hilton, you know, the... Cornerback opposite of Awuze is going to be tough. Could be Cam Taylor Britt, the Nebraska corner that they drafted. But the safety tandem and Bates and Bell is great. The fatal fly I put down, and honestly, I don't know. We'll see. Is the newness of the offensive line like I, we've seen before that having so many new starters can lead to like, slow out of the gate, right? We even saw that with Kansas City last year, who like completely remade their offensive line and it took some time. Having Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and Leo Collins all come over and all be new starters, I think could take some time to develop. But either way, it's going to be better than what it was last year. Yeah. We'll see if it is a fatal <laughs> flaw. But, like, it's 
it's again one of those teams where we're not doing it, but it's Joe Burrow getting hurt, right? If Joe Burrow gets hurt, it's over. But like, I think the offensive line is maybe where I'd put it because I like the secondary. I like the pass rush. Um, I just think new players along the offensive line could lead to a slow start, but ultimately is a, is a dramatic upgrade on what they had last year. Yeah, I mean, really, I think their fatal flaw could just be catching the reverse end of variance that they had last year. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of things broke in their favor last year or were sort of, they skewed on the high end of things that aren't supposed to continue to happen all the time. I think they did a really good job buffering against that with the offensive line moves and with the, everything they've done. But, you know, if Burrow isn't able to play out of his mind under pressure the whole time, that could be a problem. Um, I think generally the offense should be good. The defense I have a little bit more concern about, but the Bengals have made themselves a good team very quickly. Cleveland. Cleveland Browns. I put the Watson suspension. I mean, maybe, yeah. right? Like that could, if the Watson suspension gets handed down. It sounds like it won't be, right? I don't know. I, 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 the last thing I read about this was that they're basically going to stall the cases until next offseason. Really? Legally, right? I don't really see the NFL putting a suspension out there before that's been resolved just because they haven't so far. Interesting. And then I think the then if I it's not the Watson suspension, it's the receiving core. And I like the addition of Mark Cooper for a fifth, but after that it's Donovan Peoples Jones, David Bell, like I don't know. I, I don't think it's a great receiving core. I think a lot of people are like, oh, man, they added Amari Cooper. Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to take a step. And David Bell is one of my favorite sleepers. It's like, no. Okay, I think, I think Peoples-Jones is not even a number two, in my opinion. And David Bell is, gonna, is a ways away from being like a legit even wide receiver, too. I think he fills the Jar- Jarvis Landry role well as a rookie. But I think the receiving core would be this other fatal flaw because I just don't think they have a lot of eliteness there. And I'm the biggest Amari Cooper fan in the building. It's the to me it's the the non Miles Garrett front four mm. like people outside of Miles Garrett um, like they just have not um, they haven't found those guys like Jadavian Clowney was a decent compliment for a while and then went quiet and and couldn't be that guy Jordan Elliott we loved coming out hasn't been an impact playmaker Taven Bryan is a reclamation project Stephen Weatherly like Alex Wright I like this year is a, a mid round guy that they've drafted um, but really this is. This is Miles Garrett and nobody else up front. That's that's a problem. Who's next? Pittsburgh. All right. Pittsburgh, I have <clears> – I went offensive line. I think that this um, – it's still a problem, right? Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole, James Daniel, and Chooks Okorafor. I think there could be some massive concerns there, especially if they're not getting the ball out as fast as they were with Big Ben. And I think the offense is not going to change drastically, but pick it processing that quickly and moving that quickly I think could be difficult yeah. um this offensive line I think is going to cost them big time <laughs> I love their receiving core though I think they and they have a good defense this is a talented football team that I am higher on the Steelers than I think the market is like I think they'll win more games than people are expecting with a rookie quarterback but if they don't if they don't clear I think their total is set at eight and a half if they don't win nine ten games it's because of this offensive line do you think Pickett's starting day one no, I, that's, I don't think Pickett's starting day one. I think it's Trubisky. Yeah. I think Trubisky wins the job outright. How um, long do you think he gets? And I think he gets nine wins. You think, so you think Trubisky's starting all, all I don't know if he starts all of it, but if he plays well, and I think, I think he's going to play better than Pickett year one. Like, I do. Yeah. Like, I, I really do, and I think they could win nine games. But I also think he's not going to play better than Trubisky year one, like, which means that he's, you know, there's, <laughs> there's only a finite amount of time you're going to give Trubisky before you throw in the I need the bisque for a full 17-game season I don't in think Pittsburgh. You get <laughs> I, think you're getting, I think you're getting four or five games of the bisque, and then then Pickett's thrown to the wolves. And Fair the enough. wolves are there. Like that, I Who's agree. a better prospect coming out? The bisque. Yeah. yeah. Um, I agree. I think that dynamic. So, How many people outside of PFF call him the bisque? No, not many. <laughs> I don't think if, any. If, in fact, any. Um, 
I think that dynamic of quarterback holding onto the ball a long time, regardless of which guy it is. I think if it's Pickett, that guy might be holding onto the ball a record-setting amount of time, like three and a half seconds of play, and it's a disaster. If it's Trubisky, you're still talking about one of the longest average time throws in the NFL. That being paired up with an offensive line that was kind of okay when Roethlisberger had the fastest average time to throw in the NFL. Okay, they've added some players. Mason Cole, James Daniels, those are... I think important additions, but they're not transformative, particularly when you've got still like Dan Moore starting yeah. at left tackle. That collection, like that combination, just has the capacity to go bad in a big way. That uh, said, I am higher on the Steelers on the market, and I would bet them over eight wins. Okay, perfect. What was your uh, what was your record last year? Bad ways, terrible. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. We just want to set the market. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I would do this, and I'm dumb, and I stand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, NFC West, Arizona. People are going to hate me for this one, too. I Excellent. put Cliff Kingsbury. Wow. Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff. Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, you're right. Needs more flack, man. Needs more flack. DeAndre Hopkins. I was doing this prep for the Mina Kimes podcast. And DeAndre Hopkins, over the last two years, has played 92% On of his routes side. at left outside receiver. Yeah. The next closest receiver in percentage of routes is at 61. The highest percentage of right wide receiver the last two years was Christian Kirk. At 81% or something. And the next closest receiver is like in the 50s. He is, in my opinion, too predictable with how he leverages his skill players to like have a sustainable offense through 17 games. We've seen them fall off every time. And I think it's because people catch on to what they're doing because they're not doing anything remotely as complex in terms of moving their talent around as other offenses. That, I think, is a huge concern. It's a massive concern. And then you factor in DeAndre Hopkins isn't even going to be here for the first six games. Yeah. They're out DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think, I think Marquise Brown is going to have a better season in Arizona than he had in any year in Baltimore because it's a better situation for him and you have this connection with Kyler Murray but I don't think it's immediately going to help them with DeAndre Hopkins out like I don't think he's a true number one this is what they've done from a roster building standpoint too with they re-signed Zach Ertz and re-signed Max Williams and then drafted Trey McBride like I I don't understand those decisions that that defensive line is scary outside of J.J. Watt it's Rashard Lawrence Marcus Golden and Cameron Thomas I, I, I don't like the loss of Chandler Jones, and I don't think any of those players are filling that in. This is a flawed team across the board, and I think it's Cliff, ultimately, who's pulling the triggers with Steve Kime that it's going to cost him. Yeah, their, their defense last year looked really rough on paper and somehow wasn't over the course of the season. If that goes away, like if, if they whatever lightning they caught in a bottle last year disappears and they're just a bad defense again, that that's a problem. Like, a fatal one, in fact. Um, I But I agree, like, they're... It's not even so much Cliff. It's just they need to figure out why they keep collapsing in the second half of the season. Like, if you looked at just their record year to year, mm-hmm. you'd be like, the Cardinals are doing great. Like, they've gone from a terrible team to an average team to a good team. They're moving in the right direction steadily every year. But it, it, every year it ends in this, like, disastrous fashion. Yeah. It feels so much worse. And I think that is connected with what you're talking about, that they haven't done a good job, or Cliff hasn't done a great job of adapting that offense there's a reason everybody moves receivers around now, yeah. right? And I understand there's a reason why you're not. The idea being that you don't need to you – know, everyone doesn't need to learn all these complex things. They, they know they're playing one position. They're quicker. They can react faster. But it's not, it's not worth the trade-off that it is in college. Mm-hmm. Like that is – that's the advantage for an offense that is definitely worth doing at the college level where a lot of the times you can win simply by executing faster and better than the defense. The NFL is better than that. They understand. They can execute. They're not – like rushed off their feet by you being able to run a little bit of tempo. Yeah. So you need to 
you need to move guys around and you have get to. favorable matchups. You have to be more multiple with what you're doing there. And I think I would – it's tough because the market, I think, is rightfully faded, the Cardinals. They're plus 125 to make the playoffs. They're under eight and a half wins. It's juiced to minus 120. And they're plus 400 to win their own division. Like, they – they're, the market is low on Arizona, so I'm not sure if I'm betting that stuff just because it might have overcorrected itself, but I am similarly low as the market is on the Cardinals next year. Yeah, I mean, they, they need to figure that out. Otherwise, they are going to be trapped in this world of, like, not, not elite. Which easily contenders. because they have a really good quarterback, right? Like, they still have Kyler Murray. Right. And you could see a lot of these on old takes exposed next year because Kyler Murray's really damn good. But the problem is, like, if you continue to lose, if you continue to end the season the way they have the last, since Cliff's been there, it... It's the same story, right? Because mm-hmm. ultimately, like, if you're not playing well at the end of the season now, if you expect to be in the postseason every time, it means you're going to go one and done every year because you're not playing well at the point where the games you, – yeah. you don't have a game to lose anymore. Exactly. If you lose, you go home. Um, Los Angeles Rams, Super Bowl champion. Rams, I have – I put pass rushers edge specifically. I, losing Von Miller, I think, is going to be tough. Um, they have Leonard Floyd and Justin Hollins there expected to start, but there could be others. It's hard to say pass rush when you have Aaron Donald, though, because right. Aaron Donald is a monster. And even Greg Gaines gave them good pass rushing productivity last year. I, I think losing Von Miller, though, is going to be a factor, a they, big factor. They're so much better when they have the foiled Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got somebody on the edge that can even just clean up the Aaron Donald pressures is a ton. Like, And Leonard Floyd hasn't really been that guy as much. Yeah. Von Miller was so much better at it. I, I agree that's a potential issue for them. Um, I also think there's a world with this offensive line that they've kind of cobbled together for a while through lower draft picks and, and those kinds of things falls apart. Like Whitworth yeah. was huge for them. And yeah. they, they invested a lot of money in, in Joseph Noteboom off a sample size of like 200 snaps. And they he were good. good. Yeah. They were good 200 snaps. He looked, particularly at left tackle, right? They moved him around. Left tackle is his position. And he looked at left tackle like he could step in and replace Whitworth. But... People can look like a lot of things off like two games, mm-hmm. right? What what happens when you have to play seventeen games? Does it look the same? Um, they've kind of you also still have guys that have not been elite pass protectors, right? David Edwards, Brian right. Allen, Logan Bross is a rookie coming in. That is, I agree. The offensive line. I think the fatal flaw could be losing the two veterans that they did, Bob Miller and Andrew Whitworth. Like I think those two positions will will lead to some step back there. I also think there's a potential fatal flaw where you don't get like you don't get playoff Matthew Stafford this year. Like, what if you just get regular Matthew Stafford again? Like, Matthew Stafford was like, what, the 12th, 14th Don't grade? fade Matthew Stafford. We, just we can't do it. We can't do it. He was like 12 to 14 or something in the PFF grades in the regular season. And then the playoffs, we got a different guy. What if they make the playoffs this year and you still just get the 12th to 14th best quarterback in the NFL again? Fair. Is that good enough? It's not. No, it's <laughs> not. Um, San Francisco. Indecision at quarterback, which is, I think, a way around this no you can't say the quarterback huh. but i think they would have been fine if they just made a call now i think that i, I worry that because you talked to chris i was on the chris collins pod and he's like everyone in the locker room loves jimmy garoppolo he's like it's he's like they gravitate toward him it's like that if that's true and i'm not saying chris is wrong but i'm saying if that's true how hard is it going to be to start Trey Lance with Jimmy Garoppolo in the same on the same team because he also said I think Chris has inside information all over San Francisco but he also said that the front office of San Francisco vehemently does not want to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo unless they're getting a lot back in return and like which is tough right the, I, no and, I get it I get why it. did you trade three I get it I get it I get it I, get it. I, get it. I, I was like I thought they were going to cut him he's like there's no way they cut him 
because they think that they should get a lot back. He went to he went to an NFC Championship game last year. He's been to a Super Bowl. Right. They, that, that's how they feel about him. So but I just like, think there could be some real shitty, yeah, like. Like, like I, I think if Jimmy Garoppolo is a backup behind Trey Lance, and even if Trey Lance plays like okay, there's going to be concern. And this clash. is like the this is like the the Cleveland thing, right? Like you can't you can't possibly expect there to be any value in Baker Mayfield when you. But that's different. I think everyone complete, in the locker room hates Baker no, Mayfield. No, no, but, but the point <laughs> being, you completely removed your own leverage, right? Yeah. You have zero leverage anymore because you've already traded for his replacement. Yeah. With Trey Lance, you already traded three first round picks to go and get the guy. Because the, he's an injury disaster. Like you, even if you think that that Jimmy Garoppolo is great, you determined that he was a big enough injury risk that you were willing to th- trade three first round picks to yeah. jump to three to get Trey Lance his yeah. replacement. So you, th- there's no leverage. Like he, there's like one, maybe two starting spots left open in the NFL, and those guys are not interested in trading you the farm. Yeah. for the guy that you should either get rid of. No, I don't think they're looking for the farm necessarily. Like, they, but they want. Picks. But they don't want to trade you anything. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would they? No, you're right. You're it right. makes no sense. So yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that's a problem. Like the the fact that they, even independent of the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff, right? The fact that they haven't endorsed Trey Lance at this point and we're still wavering. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of what we saw from him last year, simply not you know being all in and being like, oh, we're excited. Like even the Bears, the Bears are making those noises about Justin Fields, right? Mm-hmm. To the point where like every Bears fan in my mentions, like, you see, Ryan Pauls thinks Justin Fields is amazing. Yeah, he, sa- he says so out loud in front of a microphone. <laughs> it therefore must be true. Has to be. The Forty Nineers aren't even saying that. Yeah, that that's a problem. There needs to be more conversation around. Uh, I think overwhelming positivity on the mic as a GM or a coach should not be taken with it should be taken with a grain of salt but negativity or lack of positivity right. is really telling the absence of positivity yeah, the absence of positivity or outright negativity like he stinks yeah. like like or go back to the the Carson Winston, where they're like, yeah, we probably shouldn't have picked that fifth year option or whatever. It's like, oh, shit, he's toast. Like, they're definitely right. going to trade him. De- like, immediately. It was like, Ooh. Just because Brian Poles is saying the quarterback that they drafted in the first round of the previous year is really, really good, and we want us to build around him, does not mean as much as the Niners no, not I mean, being that, like Trey Lance. That should guy. be the expectation. Yeah. Right? If you have if you have a quarterback. The Giants have shown more, pra- more praise on Daniel Jones than the Niners have on Trey Lance. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you have a quarterback that, whatever, like, for better or worse, you are essentially stuck with this yeah. year – that guy should be getting praised mm-hmm. and is in almost every single circumstance. If he isn't, that's a problem. Now, I do think that there's maybe some opportunity to buy into the smokescreen season that the San Francisco 49ers like to have. Like, everyone thought they were going to go Mac Jones and they swoop in and go Trey Lance. Maybe they're like, hey, don't say anything about the kid, but he's actually awesome. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, Seattle. I put everything, which might have everything. been harsh, but I just don't like anything they have right you now. You gave them the Houston treatment. I gave them the Houston treatment. Uh, don't like... What, I mean, the receiving core is good. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. This, the, hang on. This wasn't one of your two quarterback situations? No, no, no. I think, you I don't think, think Drew Locke is a fatal flaw. No, it's Geno Smith. Geno Smith's the favorite to start right now. Is he really? I, yeah. <laughs> I like Geno Smith. But, like, Uchenna Nwosu and Daryl Taylor, Shelby Harris, and Puna Ford are your defensive line. I, I don't think you're getting a lot of pressure. LJ Collar is probably not even going to start this year. Trey Brown, Cindy Jones, and Justin Coleman are your starting at corners. I, that's a huge concern. Offensive line is Charles Cross, Damian Lewis, Austin Blythe, Gabe Jackson, Abraham Lucas. Two rookies at bookend? No. Like, this, this, this team is bad, like, really bad. Like, contending for the number one overall pick bad. Yeah. I, the quarterback is not their fatal flaw. It's everything else. And I don't think they win more than, like, six or seven games next year. It, this, like, <laughs> 
if you were if you were the owner, say, of Seattle, mm-hmm. and you kind of looked like you had a chance to just take a step back, look at the roster right now, like how badly has this been managed to get to here? Well, they've drafted terribly at low value positions. Like, like they've drafted like I, like they've draft. I think it's more so that they've drafted low value positions than they have drafted terribly. But it's a combination of both. Right. But like up until getting rid of Russell Wilson, it was like, oh, we're fine. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're a playoff contending team because we got Russell Wilson. It's yeah. like you have let this thing fall to rack and ruin because Russell Wilson could kind of hide it all. Yeah. And now as soon as you get rid of him, you take a step back, you're like, oh, God, look at the state of this. Yeah. And you can't fix it. In one Dude, if they start Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas next year, I think there's discussion that it could be Stone Forsyth at right tackle over Abraham Lucas. But either way, it's rookie tackles. That's going to be tough, dude. That's going to be really tough. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that has no business. They're not playing for this year. No. At least they shouldn't be. Um, yeah, that's, that's not good. You're right. Like, they have, they have a Houston Texans caliber roster. Without- Agreed. Agreed. Yikes. Um, Atlanta Falcons, NFC South. I went offensive line here. Um, and I really like how the Falcons have kind of approached this offseason. I, I, I don't hate a lot of the decisions that they've made. It's previous offseasons that have them in this position. Jake Matthews is great. Jalen Mayfield, I think, was the lowest-graded guard in football last year. Matt Hennessy did not grade super well. Lindstrom and McGarry have also struggled. They didn't pick up McGarry's fifth-year option for that reason. Lindstrom hasn't. Lindstrom's been good. Lindstrom's been, Lindstrom's been good? Yeah. I thought he didn't grade well. No, Never mind. Well, uh, Lindstrom, Lindstrom Matthews, then, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but the rest of this offensive line has not been great, specifically Caleb McGarry and Jalen Mayfield. That, combined with... Obviously, they don't have a, you know, Marcus Mariota is a stopgap solution. This team is going to be biting for the number one overall pick. But I think it's the offensive line that will be their fatal flaw. Uh, I think it's still a front seven on defense. Like, Grady Jarrett and no one else. else. Yeah. Like, okay, they've they've added some players. You know, rookies are going to come in and make an impact. Um, I actually like, I really like the draft that they've had. I think they've added some players that should make a definite impact, like Arnold Epichetti mm-hmm. should should be really good uh, impact pass rusher for them. Guys like Troy Anderson could make a difference. I like what they've added. I just think that like that's a few years now of that defense falling to pieces, and I think they've done a reasonable job of putting some players in the secondary, but the front seven should still be a mess. Uh, Carolina. Carolina. I put Matt Rule slash Scott Fitterer. I, d- I don't right to the top. I don't like a lot of the decisions that they've made. Even this offseason. Even uh, this offseason, it's been okay, right? Because I but, think, I think this offseason, other than the fact that they've, I mean, okay, this is a pretty big like, caveat, but like, other than the fact they still haven't got a quarterback, yeah, uh, actually like almost all the moves they've made this offseason. No, I, last I, off this offseason, off I think you could give like I think we were grading the offseasons. I think I gave Carolina like an A. But it's the decisions before that have cost them. Like the, yeah. they only had going into the draft one top one thirty pick right. because of the trades they made with Sam Darnold and all that shit. Like they, they have and the Stephon Gilmore trade, who's not yeah. even on this team. CJ Henderson trade, who's on it. But like, I mean, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. The moves that they made in previous off seasons, and I think that's what their fatal flaw is this year. Their off season this season has been fine. Like getting Aki Kwanu where they did, I thought was good. Um, you know, extending DJ Moore, I thought was a good contract. They have a good receiving core. Christian McCaffrey back healthy. I like Brian Burns. I like what they have um, in Jeremy Chin and, and Dante Jackson. Even I'm higher on Dante Jackson than others. But the offensive line still is middling, and their quarterback stinks. And the reason for that is because Scott Fitter and Matt Rule. Yeah. I mean, they're a team where it's tough to look beyond the quarterback. I think they've done a decent job of trying to fix that offensive line. Because, like, a year ago they went out there and they prioritized Cam Irving and Pat Elf line in free agency. And, like, yes. okay, well, that's just bad. Like, there's basically no scenario where those guys end up helping the team. It's just 
it's bad process. It's bad talent identification. It's just it's just bad. Yeah. This year, they get Austin Corbett, who should be a good quality starting guard. Not amazing, but they get Bradley Bozeman again. Could start at center and be fine. Like he, his track record is significantly better than Pat Elfline. Yeah. They get Ikki Kwanu um, at the top of the draft, who's a lot of people's number one tackle on the board. Okay, growing pains year one maybe might not be great uh, right off the gate, but all of a sudden you've got like four-fifths of an offensive line that's reasonable because Taylor Moton at right tackle is legitimately good. That, I mean, that, you've gone from four-fifths bad to four-fifths good, potentially, in one offseason. That's not bad work. And the only reason, it goes back to the only reason that you're even souring on this team is because of the decision they made at quarterback. I mean, like, go, trading what they did for Sam Darnold and it, picking up his fifth-year option and paying him all that money was such an egregious decision that it's setting this team back significantly. Yeah. Significantly. I mean, and then, even if it's Matt Corral this year who they drafted in the third round, I I would forecast, and I don't know if there are betting odds available, that Matt Rule is the first coach fired, and I think Fitterer goes too, because uh, I don't think Sam Darnold or Matt Corral is going to win enough games for them, even with the roster that has improved this offseason, to keep, give them their jobs. It also feels like the way this offseason went, that it was very owner-influenced in terms of, no, no, like we're not, we're not doing anything crazy yeah. to get you a quarterback that might be a Hail Mary attempt to keep everybody their job. Like, we are... We're doing this they properly. They were smart by that, right? I think well, yeah, it would like, have been a short-term decision to go and grab quarterback. Right, and the, the fact that they didn't or weren't able to do that feels to me like the owner is sort of saying, I mean, look, I'm not interested in saving your jobs. Like, I'm interested in the betterment of this football team, yeah. so we're not doing anything crazy. Um, I, I mean, quarterback is their problem. Yeah. Like, I'm, but we said we wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So I think the corner group isn't great. Um, J.C. Horn... Looked really good right away, then got injured and missed most of his season. Like, we need him to come back and be the guy that he looked like he was going to be before he went down. C.J. Henderson is a, obviously a reclamation project already into a second team. Dante Jackson, you know, you, you said you're higher on him. Um, Rashawn Melvin. Like, this is a group of corners that there's a world where they're okay. There's also a world where they're not. And yeah. this, this secondary is getting kind of lit on fire. And, and Brian Burns has to step up. Like, Brian Burns has to be, like, a legit, legit pass rusher because outside of him there isn't a lot of good pass rushers. They did add Matt Ioannidis, who I think is an underrated interior pass rusher, but Ichiro Gross Matos is going to have to step up opposite of Burns if Burns isn't going to be like a top five pass rush win rate type of guy. Can I break some news? Yeah. Adam Schefter reporting uh, Packers and Pro Bowl cornerback Jair Alexander are finalizing a four-year $84 million extension, including $31 million in 2022 and a $30 million signing bonus with a record for any defensive back in the history of the NFL. That is, he'll receive $42.5 million by March. Same, but like that's cool to see him get it too. Mm-hmm. And he, he had to play football to get his. Yeah, yeah, that's right. true. It's you, a big you, you I just had it. to cover it. Right. Um, Good for them. Good for them. Um, we'll get to Al- the Packers soon. But their, their fatal flaw is not Jair Alexander, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Absolutely not. Uh, New Orleans Saints. What did I put here? I put interior offensive line. Yeah. I think their interior offensive line is bad. Um, it's kind of. I was joking around with Eric Eager in the office, who does like a lot of really bad jokes. <laughs> like he's a good bad joke guy. He's like Andres really Pete, more like Andres Poop, and like everyone in the office is laughing. But he's not far off. You know, Andres Pete is one of the lowest great cars in the NFL last year, uh, and Caesar Ruiz also struggled. Yeah, the, yeah. Quietly, their their interior offensive line has gotten. And bad then you factor in Trevor Penning coming in and start at left tackle. I know I said interior offensive line, but that's that's some newness and also like a dramatic competition upgrade for Penning that could lead to some disaster. And the offensive line as a whole, like Penning, Pete, Ruiz are the are the three major concerns. I don't understand Andres Pete, like as a as a player. <laughs> I just don't I don't <laughs> understand his career. Right, so he came in. He was a first first round pick. 
number 13 overall. And a guy Stanford, we, we right? kind of liked, yeah, coming out of college. Um, but he was a tackle. He was a left tackle at college. Ended up getting kicked inside the guard uh, pretty early in his career. Like, the first couple of years were a tackle. And actually, he wasn't horrific at tackle. As soon as he moved into guard, it's been almost nothing but complete and total disaster. Let me read you the last few years of his career, PFF grade-wise. 2018, his first season uh, where he really didn't play any left tackle at all, 47 snaps of left tackle, 39.8 grade. The next year, 49. The next year, 62. The next year, 52. So this has been like below average to terrible He had every a 20.1 year. pass blocking grade last year. Yes. That's insane. It's one of the lowest of any player in the NFL. But in that stretch... He got a big second contract. Like, in the midst of the terrible play, they handed him the bag and were like, great job, Andrus. And there are guys out there that say, like, he's a great left guard, I think just because he got given the big contract. Yeah, but, like, yeah. I, I don't understand why he got the money. I don't either. He hasn't been good. He has not been good. Um, Mickey Loomis just likes his guys, though. Yeah. Then you can go to, like, Cesar Ruiz. Cesar Ruiz in two years, 53.8 PFF grade in 2020, 57.6 PFF grade. In 2021, I think Eric McCoy as a rookie was really, really good and yeah. graded well I, at center. I, I agree. He's, with, so, I, he's solid. But right. those two guards and Penning, I mean, that's bad. Cesar Ruiz not working out has been a real problem for this offensive line. The Ramchek is great, arguably the best right tackle in the NFL. Penning, I think, will probably be okay year one, even if he isn't. I don't hate James Hurst starting in a pinch as a left tackle. I think he showed that he could do that if you need him to and be solid, which is enough. That interior trio, though, Pete probably isn't going to be good, below average. If Eric McCoy doesn't bounce back, Cesar Ruiz has been below average every time. All of a sudden, like, that's a different prospect when you have Drew Brees out there getting the ball rid quickly and can, can deal with that than it is Jameis Winston playing. Yeah. That, I agree with you. I, I don't think there's another real answer for the Saints. That is their Achilles. Because I like their receiving core. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, I, I, Alvin Kamara, obviously, is a pass-catching back. I, I think it's a good football team. This offensive line is going to hold them back, though. Deontay Hardy? You don't often see a guy change his surname. Wait, who? Deontay Hardy. Is that Deontay Harris? Yes. He changed his surname to yes. Hardy? Weird. <laughs> you don't often see that. You don't. You don't. But, but there it is. Well, C.D. Deuce, but I don't think he officially changed it. No. He did? His, I, no, Hardy did. I don't okay. know about Deuce? Yeah. <laughs> Tampa Bay. Uh, this one's tough, man. Like I, I, I don't I don't have a big I think they were my favorite offseason. A lot of that's because really? Tom Brady came back. <laughs> well yeah. Tom Brady comes back and you're able to get Ryan Jensen back, True. you get Chris Godwin back, you get uh Carlton Davis on a nice deal, Leonard Fournette. Like they were able to get a lot of people back as Brady came back. And then trading a fifth for Shaq Mason and getting Luke Gedeke, the Central Michigan off the tackle play. Like they did a I really like the Bucks GM Jason Light. Like he he is is a smart dude, man. Like what Look at the secondary. Carlton Davis, Jabal Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, Antoine, Antoine Winfield, and Logan Ryan. Phenomenal. I think the offensive line with Donovan Smith, Luke Gedeke, Ryan Jensen, Shaq Mason, Tristan Wirfs, up there with the best. I like adding Russell Gage to this offense, yeah, too, yeah. as the wide receiver three. Really like This Gage. Buccaneers team is great. I put the fatal flaw, maybe, and this was my hardest one, even harder than the Bills, losing Bruce Arians. Like, maybe? I don't know. Like, I know it's going to be the same offense, but right. it has to have a factor. That can't, that can't be nothingness, right? I think losing, <laughs> losing Bruce Arians has to have some effect, but maybe it was holding them back. You hear those shit about Brady not liking say, Arians and you, stuff. I don't know. Where are you on that? Do you think Brady was out there? Pulling the strings. I 100% believe any any, any conspiracy, conspiracy theory, theory that involves Brady. You're in the 25 something. You know what I mean? Like oh, okay. like if if Brady is if the the conspiracy theory is is Brady did something with his power, like it's probably true. <laughs> like I mean, because Brady could probably do whatever the fuck he wants. I mean, I think he he literally has more power of the NFL than Roger Goodell. Like I mean, he is <laughs> he is 
the NFL. In a lot what of do ways. you make of that deal that he just signed with Fox? $37.5 million a year to call games. I think – so I have a theory on that too because a lot of people are like, what are you talking – why are we overpaying people call games? People don't tune in for who call games. I think the NFL really, really cares about who is calling the games. Like I think that when you're, you're, you're discussing these packages, right, when you're like, hey, we want these many Sunday night football games, Monday night football games, or these primetime games, it's – they care about who's calling it. And I think Fo- that gives Fox a lot of leverage in those negotiations because hmm. the NFL is going to be like, oh – you guys got Brady? We could get Sunday Night Football with Brady. I'm not saying it. I'm up, Chris, I'm not saying you're going to get tossed off, but like it gives them way more leverage than it does if they just bring in someone else, right? And I saw a lot of fans. I don't know why I quoted fans, quote tweeted fans, but I saw a lot of fans like, I listen to the game on mute. Like, I don't really care. I don't know why you're spending that much money. It's like the NFL gives a shit. The NFL cares who's calling the games. And if you got Brady, that could give you a Thursday night football maybe when this Amazon thing comes up. Or it could give you Monday night football if you know, ESPN ever loses leverage. Because Fox is the one who's on the outside looking in. Yeah. They don't have the Super Bowl, right? They don't have Sunday night. They don't have Monday night. They don't have um, they've got, Thursday night. They've got, haven't they got two of the next oh, no. Super Bowls? No, yeah, yeah. They don't have the Super Bowl every year. Right. But like, I think they don't have does. any of the weekly primetime games. Yeah. That's bad. They need, they need that. <laughs> they want that. And Brady, I think, helps them get that. Okay. All right. I just, I just think it would be funny. But- I just think it would be funny if Brady – like, look, Brady, you know, greatest of all time quarterback. I just think it would be kind of funny if he stank. 100%. As a, as a, Everyone's rooting for if that. If he came in and he was Jason Witten. Like, Jason Witten was so bad he had to unretire just to get the hell out of the booth. You know what I mean? <sighs> just to so save funny. himself that was so funny. from his broadcasting yeah. career. He had to unretire to take another year of hits to the head to get to escape it. That's how bad he was. Yeah. If Brady was that bad, I think it would be funny. That's all I'm saying. I think it would be funny. I mean, I think every person is rooting for Brady to fail at something. Because, like, <laughs> anything. Yeah, it's just kind of screwed up how well he's hitting on live here. Um, to me, their fatal flaw might be – it's not like the front four is bad, but it's very concentrated now in Vita Vea and Shaq Barrett. Like, Joe Tryon Shainka didn't do anything as a rookie. Dude's athletic, but the guy had actually a staggering lack of pressure when you consider how much he actually played. Uh, JPP – not there anymore, uh, and Diamond Kinsu not there anymore. There's just all of a sudden you're like, okay, this front four was beastly, but where did all the guys go? We kind of need somebody making an impact at some point, and it isn't there. Yeah. Um, so that's mine. That's the NFC South wrapped up, which means it's time for a new ad. Let's do it. But this one's uh, this one's easy because this one is underdog fantasy. The best play to play. The best place to play fantasy football this summer is underdog fantasy. Their best ball mania tournament has ten million dollars in total prize money, and the best part is you just draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. No waivers, no trades, no in-season management. That's the kind of lazy man's fantasy that I'm all for. I like that. Don't want to be doing it every week. Underdog gives you your best score each week of the season, and the highest score at the end of the year wins. The champion of Best Ball Mania last year drafted in June. So there's no time like the present to join Underdog and take your shot at a million-dollar draft. Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. Also, if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Play $10 with code PFF and draft your best ball mania team today. And a support friend of the show, Josh Nars. Yeah, he's a Big friend underdog, of the show. Underdog guy. He's a friend of everyone's show. He is he's a good friend. He's a friend. Friend. Friend, period. Friend. <laughs> friend. Josh. A lad. Uh, NFC East. Dallas. 
Dallas, what I have here. I put uh, overall depth, which I think is a cop-out. Very much so, yeah. And then I also put the secondary, though. Um, Trayvon Diggs, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, and they have Jaron Curse and Malik Hooker uh, on the two safety spots. Trayvon Diggs, as many tur- turnovers he had last year, he also gave up a lot of yards. So did Anthony Brown. I think it's going to be a defense that's going to have to adjust to not having Randy Gregory as well. You know, opposite DeMarcus Lawrence, you got Dorrance Armstrong there, which is going to put more pressure on that secondary to perform. I think it could be a Dallas Cowboys team that needs to win a lot of shootouts to, to win. And I love Micah Parsons. I think he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL right now. And DeMarcus Lawrence, I think he's one of the more underrated defensive players. But still, um, I think defensively, this could be one that gives up some points. Um, I wonder if, I mean, we're not doing the quarterback thing, but I wonder if Dak Prescott can sustain like the high level of play Uh-oh. he needs to the whole way are you a Dak fader I think that Dak has been maybe the most quarter the most sensitive quarterback in the NFL to the supporting cast around him like when the supporting cast around Dak Prescott is elite you get elite Dak Prescott you only need to take one piece out for you to get non-elite Dak Prescott and just good Dak Prescott and then the more pieces you take away the worse the Dak Prescott you get is so We've seen that he's capable of, you know, leading one of the best offenses in the NFL and putting up massive numbers and being incredible. We've also seen, like, how vulnerable that is to just all evaporating in an instant. Yeah. Um, so that, I think, is a potential concern. I agree with you that their secondary is an issue. Um, if you were putting money on it right now, what kind of season do you think Trevon Diggs is going to have next year? I think Trevon Diggs is going to have a very similar season to last year. Like, but he's think- not going to put up 11 picks because people don't. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I don't know. I, but I think he's going to have at least five. Like, I think he's going to be like a five. Right, there's a hell of a difference between yeah. five and 11. You know what I mean? I, th- I think it's going to be a good amount of turnovers and uh, a good amount of yards given up again. Because I think the narrative on him will completely change if he goes from 11 to five picks and everything else stays the same. Oh, yeah. Which uh, is crazy. Six plays of a, for a player that plays probably 1,000 snaps a year. More. It's yeah. going to change the opinion. Completely <laughs> change <laughs> how people talk about it. That's why Saxon picks to me are just so stupid i like the sacks. fact that the fact that like defense rookie of the year and defense player of the year is like wholesale predicated on how many sacks you get or how many picks you get which is like one percent of the plays you play yeah. in a season is insane it's definitely stupid for sacks i think where pressure has like a material difference on you know quarterback performance and stuff I, it's a little more understandable for uh, interceptions for me because turnovers are so important just from yeah. a wins and losses standpoint. So you can definitely construct the argument that says, look, if you get enough of these things, it does offset a bunch of bad Oh, play. for sure, yeah. Um, but purely from like a war like perspective. Not even, so for me, it's for like a, but how good is this guy? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's more You can get a lot of turnovers without being great. Yeah, it's more defensible when you use it to be like, well, this guy had a great season because that those are huge plays that are bigger than anything else you can do. But... It's like, but okay, but how how sustainable is this, right? Um, I just spilled a lot of water on myself. A lot? Yeah. Okay. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I knew you'd spill some, but it wasn't until I saw the look in your face. It's not that, great. <laughs> that I realized it was a lot. Okay. All right. Well, sorry. We powered through. We only got a few more left. Uh, New York Giants. Giants. I did not go quarterback. Good. I went offensive line. Still. The, this offensive line needs Andrew Thomas to step up. He was good last year, but maintain that. Yep. I think they could be starting a rookie in Josh Azudu at left guard. John Feliciano could come over and play center for them. It's a new depth player for the Bills that's now going to start. And then Mark Lewinsky coming in at right guard I think is average. And then Evan Neal has to hit the ground running as well playing right tackle. I think it's too much youth, too much newness to really be a 
non-flaw for this team in 2022. Yeah. I they like were, a lot of I like I like a lot of the other things they have. The secondary would probably be my second concern, specifically corners and Adoree Jackson, Aaron Robinson, and Darnay Holmes. But that offensive line, I think, could be in for a doozy. A doozy. They they were in a tough spot. There were a few teams that needed to go into this offseason with like basically an entire offensive line to overhaul, and the Giants, I think, had the least like just money to play with of yeah. that group so they were kind of like well we know we need to change some bodies we can't actually afford to buy anybody in yeah so let's get you know mark Lewinsky. and mark mm-hmm. Lewinsky should be a solid enough starter for them but you know when you need three of those guys it's a problem i yeah i think the offensive line for them i think it's taking steps in the right direction if evan neal is good in year one that's a huge boost for them mm-hmm. but the chance the chance of that interior trio being even average, I think you're pretty limited, which could cap everything. Could cap the play at Daniel Jones, how good everything else works. Yeah, I think I How agree. long have you been in the United States now? Tw- uh, summer of 2017. So what's that? Same, year, same year I got to Cincy. I got, I got yeah. in May 2017. Your, your accent is gone. Oh, it's, yeah. it's totally gone. Uh-huh. I haven't noticed it until we start talking. I feel like you sound nothing like you sounded when you first got here. No, I didn't. It's, yeah. it's disappeared. That's crazy. completely changed. Five yeah. years, it's different. Uh-huh. It's wild. <laughs> it's, yeah. So I've had, I've had probably half a dozen different accents in my life. I'm one of these people that picks them up like really quickly just wow. depending on where I am. So we moved around Fraud. a lot. You're like yeah. Brian Kelly, the, the coach at LSU. <laughs> doesn't go that quickly. Yeah. It takes a few months. My um, family. <laughs> but uh, so we moved around a lot because my dad is a surgeon when I was a kid and started off in Ireland, um, like learned to talk in mm-hmm. Ireland, got an Irish accent. Then we moved to uh, America, England, blah, blah, blah. Came back to Ireland, eventually got my Irish accent back before I moved over mm-hmm. here. They Somebody found like an old home movie we had when I was like four years old or whatever. And so... To, I had an Irish accent, but it was a different Irish accent Weird. to the one I had when I came back, despite, like, living within, like, half a square mile. Like, I didn't move yeah. places to where the accent would be different. The same place, but had a different Irish mm-hmm. accent both times. I think if you went back, though, say, like, you hung out with some of the lads in Ireland, I think you would lay it on thicker, right? I think it, you, would, so, yeah. you would assimilate a little bit. So when you talk to somebody from that, it, mm-hmm. you, it, a portion of it changes immediately. For sure. Like, it, you definitely um, – you start – it's already more Irish, mm-hmm. but it would take like it would take. A year. I kind of want to hear your thickest <laughs> Irish accent. I can't. I can't oh. put them on. That's the really? ridiculous thing Weird. about it. Is I like pick them up. Like, I, it'll change, but I can't like just fake it. <laughs> I can't just do it. All right, we've we've sidetracked too much. Go ahead to, to accent talk. Good, it was a good sidetrack though. Uh, we did the Giants, right? Philadelphia. Um, I have the front seven. What? I don't. I, don't, I, I Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham. Starts on the edge. I don't see them. I, Brandon Graham has been good, but I, I don't think he's going to be a top 10, top 12 pass rusher this upcoming season. Hassan Reddick either. And yeah. then still have worries about the linebacking core. I don't know you when the Kobe Look Deans. at the depth. Huh? Look at the depth. They got depth, but I don't think they have premier talent starting. But they rotate. Yeah. Always. Okay. Convince me on the front seven. Just the depth. I mean, like, they've, they've still got, okay, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are not what they were, no. right? Those guys are declining forces. They're still reasonable players. Mm-hmm. Hassan Reddick may be a one-trick pony, but the one trick is pretty good. That yeah. guy's a legit speed rusher. Um, Derek Barnett has been a bit of a disappointment. I'm not 100% sure why they brought him back, but, you know, rotational body. Josh Sweat has been okay in that kind of role. I just think they've got enough there between, like, that, what, five, six guys, Jordan Davis now, we'll get to see what he can be yeah. in the NFL. Can he be a better player, impact the pass? Um, that's six. 
I'd be surprised if that was a problem. The defensive line depth, I guess you've convinced me on. I, I still worry about off-ball linebacker. And then, That's not even mentioning Javon Hargrave, Milton Williams. Like, yeah. I, again, I'd be surprised maybe, if that maybe, front seven was a problem. I, maybe I should pivot to the secondary. <laughs> Avante Maddox, Zach McPherson after Darius Slay, I think is concerning. I think that, um, I mean, defensively, though, I just don't think they have a lot. I think they have depth. I don't think they have a lot of elite talent. Like, Darius Slay is probably, who's the best player on defense for them? Slay? Yeah. And that, I think, is the concern. That, I think, is fair. I mean, if you looked at their secondary and said, outside of Darius Slay, it's I'm pivoting not, my fatal flaw to lack of premium talent on defense. There you go. I like that. I like that. I do think that front seven, though, could be really good. Okay, the the pass rush, they're, they're limited now. It's not like, what, 2017 Philadelphia where they had a bunch of killers up there. Yeah. Um, but bunch all of a sudden. killers up there. <laughs> I like it. Um, TJ Edwards is like a legit good player. Guy has. You've always liked him. Yeah, well, he's he's always been good. Mm-hmm. He's got zero athleticism, yeah. like physical tools. He can't move. But he's a good player. And then you add Nicobe Dean to that. If he hits, if he becomes the player we thought he was and, you know, not the guy that slipped to the third round, all of a sudden that, like, is a front seven that can actually do some serious damage to people. It's just mm-hmm. the back four. Uh, so, yeah, secondary for me. I like the Eagles plus 275 to win the NFC East. I think that yeah. the Cowboys are the favorite at plus 110, but I think it's worth a flyer almost at 3 to 1, you know, yeah. at plus 275. I think it's worth a flyer because I think they've gotten a lot better this offseason. I like their draft a ton, and um, I think Jalen Hurts, I like Jalen Hurts to take a small step forward, even, even if it's small. You got AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. Like, that's the thing. I, I give Who's the 11th? Graded pass last year. Right. But given what we said about Dallas of, like, how vulnerable they are to the thing wobbling if you take pieces away from Dak Prescott, and then even if Jalen Hurts doesn't get any better at all, you mm-hmm. added A.J. Brown. Yeah. Like, if if nothing changes other than you added A.J. Brown, that has the potential to propel them in that direction. Agreed. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a good bet. Um, and that's endorsed now by two bad betters. Yeah. So that, that has Lovely. to be worth more. Lovely. NFC North, last division. Chicago. Did we get to the Commanders? No, you're right. Washington, last last team. I, the of reason the, the reason I wanted you to get to the Commanders because I have an interesting take on their fatal flaw. It is their new branding. Wow. So okay, I, I, hear me Walk out. Me hear me out. One. Hear me out. Hear me out. I'm I putting the tinfoil hat on. Mm-hmm. Um, the Commanders era, they wanted to kick off with a bang, and I think it's led to some premature, short term decision making, specifically at quarterback. Like, of all the quarterback moves this offseason. Draft and free agency included. What was your least favorite? The Wentz thing. Has to be the Wentz thing. Like, especially when you saw Marcus Mariota get signed for what he did. Matt Ryan got traded for a third. Yeah. And they gave up a conditional second. Like, it could be a second-round pick they gave up for Carson Wentz. But you that's, think that's... You, and I think it's because... Oh, hear me out. Hear me out. Short-term decision-making. Hear me out. They go make this, like, ridiculous trade for Carson Wentz, and that just sets them so... I mean, that, like, puts them behind the eight ball. This was, like, a legitimately good football team. And then you look at the draft. I think they attack needs and did not attack high-value players. I like Jahan Dotson. I think he was overdrafted. I like um, Fidarian Mathis. I think he was overdrafted. I like Brian Robinson Jr. I think he was overdrafted. I I just don't love the decision-making they made with the draft or this Carson Wentz trade. And I think they did it because they're trying to, you know, kick it off with a bang in the commander's (laughs) era. And uh, it's the hot dog suit has pressured pressured them into some bad decisions. I can't believe that he had a... A suit like that, ready, yeah. ready to go. Just, just disgusting. Just, just generally, yeah. like I didn't have to go shopping for one. Just mm-hmm. had that in the closet, ready to, to jump out for the press conference. Uh, I don't think it was a reaction to the the branding. I think that was a reaction to last season. Like I loved their process a year ago, which was we are not in a position to find an elite quarterback to this roster. 
whether in free agency, trade, the draft, we're not, we're not going to get one. So what do you do if you're not well, – we have a good team. We think we can make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick because Ryan Fitzpatrick over the last few years has played league average football. And if we get league average quarterback play, we can make the postseason and win some games. Um, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick lasted like a handful of snaps where he got hurt. Heineke didn't show the sort of Fitzpatrick Jr. play that we thought we were going to get out of him, and it was just bad. And they call it the other end of, you know, what happens when you face a bunch of good quarterbacks instead of bad quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the defense is getting lit up. Like, so they just got terrible, terrible results out of what I think was actually a pretty good process. And they, their lesson from that was, well, let's junk the process. Yeah. Um, and they went, well, we can't go into the next season the same way. So uh, what's the – Wentz. Yeah. Grab Wentz. We've seen MVP play from that guy. We'll get it back again. Hate At that, least it's an answer. And I think they just knee-jerked in the wrong direction and got – Carson Wentz because of it. And then I agree with you. I, I hated their draft. Um, I didn't like Jahan Dotson. So oh, really? in addition to overdrafting, yeah, yeah, yeah. you did like him. I, I like Jahan, Jahan Dotson because he played bigger than he is. And like I like his ball skills a lot. I think you could argue he had some of the best ball skills in the class. I think the worry is he's small and he's not like a, a true, true burner. So I, I think he's a slot only in the NFL. And to draft him at 16 was when they did. It's absurd. Yeah, I think he's a slot only at the NFL, and I just think the only things he excels at are kind of not replaceable skill set is the wrong word, and because we talk about replacement level players, mm-hmm. like, but it's a skill set that you can get quite quick, quite yeah. easily. Like he has great hands, fine, but actually the way more important part of playing wide receiver in the NFL is being able to beat people to get open to mm-hmm. get the ball in your direction in the first place. How good you are at actually snagging it once it gets there, it sounds stupid, but that's actually. A much smaller part of the puzzle. I agree. Like, I would much rather take a guy that has vaguely questionable hands, will get wide the hell open and can beat elite corners. Danny Gray. Than the opposite, right? A guy who has amazing hands but may not actually be able to beat the guy standing in front of him. Agreed. So, yeah, I don't love what Washington did. Uh, My fatal flaw for them, though, I don't know if they fixed that defense from a year ago. Like... And I get this is kind of almost contradicting myself of like I like their process from a year ago, but William Jackson was bad, mm-hmm. um, and we're now starting to have to go quite far into the past to find the last time that William Jackson was actually a plus player. And like, well, if that's where your big money signing on defense to be your number one corner, number two and three, you know, Kendall Fuller, Benjamin Sanjuist, like this is a defense that got lit up last year. Have you figured out a way of not getting it lit up this year? Because I don't really see one. No, I don't either. I mean, it, this Washington team is flawed in multiple ways. I think they're, uh, they were primed, man. They were primed. I liked what they were doing a year ago. Now I, I worry about them a lot. Uh, before we get into the last division we're going to cover, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use the code NFLPOD. That's exclusive to this one. Austin's joining the, uh, the opposition here, pushing our promo code, not his own. Um, which gives you all of PFF's locked article content, fantasy football rankings and projections coming soon, data and grades from the entire 2021 season, the upcoming 2022 season, all the stuff that's been archived for the NFL going back to 2006, and much, much more. Support the PFF NFL podcast and use promo code NFLPOD for 25% off any sub. All right, now we're on to the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. I put the entire offense outside of Justin Fields. <laughs> I think this offense is really, really bad. I don't like the receiving core with Mooney, Pringle, and Equinemia St. Brown. I don't like the offensive line with Borum, Whitehair, Patrick, Mustafer, and Tevin Jenkins. It's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. I think they're going to suck next year. And uh, I think Justin Fields is going to flash, but he's not going to be consistent enough to feel like wholesale confident about his ability in the year three. And 
the Bears are going to ultimately be picking inside the top three. I really worry that they haven't even given themselves the ability to judge Justin Fields. They haven't. In this next you shouldn't year. worry. They haven't. They right. Haven't but it. that's like they don't seem to be concerned by that, right? It's like, oh, On well. the mic in front of everyone. <laughs> Internally, I'm pretty sure they're concerned. No, but I see, I don't think I, – I think whatever you feel about Justin Fields right now, right, I would want to know what he is next year. And I don't think you're even going to be able to tell what he is based off the season that we're about no, to have for sure. because of what you put but around. A lot of that's the decisions that Pace made, right? I mean, Ryan Pace right. really traded up for Justin oh, no, they Fields, were in a tough spot. Picks, and they traded up for Tevin Jenkins, a cost pick. Yeah. Like, no. they did not – like, they did not – I think this was going to always be a, a shitty year. It sucks how shitty it was yeah. still. They were in a tough spot. But on the other hand, it still feels like he could have done more than go defense, defense, and Vilas Jones is your, you know, like, one nod – to Justin Fields late, you know, in the draft, third mm-hmm. round or whatever it was. I, I just, I don't know. It, it feels to me that there's no way of getting this from where it is to, like, a good place in one offseason. No. So you might as well, like, compartmentalize this and say, all right, let's try and, like, make sure Justin Fields survives year one. And even if he isn't good, we at least know that. Yeah. Like, at least that's been a fair evaluation of what he is, and then we can kick him to the curb next year and go after a different quarterback. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if the Bears are picking number one overall in 2022. Like, it's going to be really, really bad. And I could see that. What would be sweet about that is if they're still committed to Justin Fields, maybe they could trade down because another team's looking to come up for Stroud or whoever and, and allocate more picks and all whatever. Because right. I think this Bears team is, has flaws in the receiving core, the offensive line, defensive line, and in the secondary. Like, there's, they need help across the board. Yeah. They're, another, they're a Seattle-level team where you yes. look at it and you're like, I mean, it, it's everything, right? Yeah. The front, front seven is bad. There's a couple of players there that still exist. Roquan mm-hmm. Smith, Robert Quinn that can do some damage. Eddie Jackson, we've seen elite play out of him, but it was a while ago. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't second. matter, right? I mean, like, having a leap play at a couple of these positions isn't going to matter if, like, right. the roster on average is really dead. Yeah. So, overall, I, I mean, they just need help everywhere. Um, Detroit. This is the only other team I put quarterback for. Wow. Jared Goff. I really like what Detroit is doing. Yeah. Detroit has got a coach that people believe in, a culture that the players are buying into, and they've done a phenomenal job at not breaking the bank in free agency. And drafting really well and it, like i love what they've done investing in panay soul they bring in uh aiden hutchinson they drafted ali mcneil Le- levi was i liked the akuda pick at the time like and then even the trade-up for jameson williams was good like i didn't i didn't hate what they gave up in return to go up and get jameson williams at 12 they added dj chark this offseason not on a monster yield i think it's a one-year contract like mm-hmm. again they're not like you know hamstringing themselves with long bad multi-year contracts cough cough the jags this team I think is doing the rebuild right so much that they're quarterback away. I think from not being Super Bowl competitive, but you put a quarterback here and you have as much optimism about this team as a lot of the other teams in the NFL. Um, where do you think, so this has obviously been a multi-year rebuild strategy from like the outset, right? They came mm-hmm. in, they're like, okay, this is how long this is going to take. It's gonna, not going to happen year one. It's going to take, there's, there's process. The thing that we criticize the Jags for, zero, like, you couldn't tell what they're trying to do at any given time. Yeah. Detroit, you can see yes. every year what they're trying to do, right? It's We're one of the few teams that's actually, like, nailed a multi-year rebuild to start I, on I paper. Yeah, I think it's one of the few teams that's ever given the chance to do that and say, hey, look, this is going to take three years. Are you in with that? Because if you're not, we're not doing this. Like, Anyway, uh, where do you think the quarterback was supposed to come in this project? This upcoming season. I mean, I, Next I, after, yeah, I think 2023 three. offseason, whether that's via a veteran. Yeah. Because we don't know which veterans come available in the offseason and all that stuff. Or it's going and getting Stroud or Young or whoever you like in this 2023 class. And 
they did not give up a future first in that trade-up for Jameson Williams. They should have the capital to move up if they like a guy because I think they're going to win more games, more than six games. Right. So they won't be drafting number one overall, I don't think. And if they aren't, they might have to make a big push to go get a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud or they're a team that a veteran quarterback could look to move to. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think I think quarterback was supposed to come next year. Because if it came this year, they have to pay Jared Goff like I think thirty million dollars plus, whether he plays a down for them or plays all seventeen games. Yeah. So they're they're still working to get him off the books after that trade. Yeah, they were well positioned this year. It might have been a case of it could have come this year, but the quarterback class stank, so they just didn't want to go for it. Um, to me, the fatal flaw though might be. So I love what they've done process wise. But sometimes good process doesn't lead to good results, and we've seen that with the Eagles in mm-hmm. recent years. Like, they've done a lot of things really well, and then it just all turned to crap for them, right? And they just didn't hit. Yeah. Love the fact that they drafted Alim McNeil, Awuzurike, um, Aiden Hutchinson now as well, Akuda. Like, all these guys are the right players to brought in. But they actually need to develop, particularly the defensive linemen, right? Awuzurike, Alim McNeil, those guys had grades in the 40s to the 60s, year one. Now, we know that those guys take multiple years to get to where they're supposed to be. That's why they drafted them first. But they need to get there. Like mm-hmm. If they don't take those steps forward, if they don't actually develop, if Aiden Hutchinson does have like a ceiling to his play that is lower than you want it to be, um, which is why the Jags drafted a Trayvon Walker. Like yeah. That collection of moves, in order for this project to go where it needs to go, they need to be proved right about those guys down the line, right? And yeah. we don't, like, I'm not saying they will or they won't, but... That has the potential to be a fatal flaw. But they're also, like, if they do get their quarterback or they are locking into their quarterback in 2023, they have a lot of money to spend this upcoming offseason. Like, if they want to upgrade in, like, any specific spot, like, they can yeah. go take. But you've got to, like, you've got to turn, you know, two players into one at that point. Yeah, it, yeah. Just, it just becomes harder. Yeah. Um, so that, that, to me. But I love, I agree with you. I love their process and what they've done so far. Green Bay. I put the receiving core. I don't like it. I think, uh, <laughs> I think that. Don't like it. Christian Watson was overdrafted, especially when you consider the trade-up. I don't like Alan Lazard as your wide receiver one. Uh, I think Sammy Watkins is the underrated piece here. Like, if Watkins is healthy and can play, I think he could be, like, good for them. But we'll see if he's healthy. We'll see if he can do that. Outside of that, man, it's, like, it's going to be difficult for an offense that I think literally targeted Devontae Adams 35% of the time is going to, like, pivot. And that was still not enough. And still, yeah, exactly. They could have targeted him more. Um this offense, I don't think, is going to be that great. I, I don't think it's going to be that great to start. I think the receiving core is going to need to iron itself out. Watkins being healthy, Watson hitting the ground running with some of the worst ball skills of any receiver in this class. Like that is concerning. And what doesn't get factored in enough is that Rodgers doesn't like rookies a lot. Like, I mean, he's. I think he's going to target a lot of Lazard, a lot of Cobb, and potentially Watkins if he's starting. I don't think Watson is going to see a ton of target volume to start unless. They just hit the ground running. The relationship's just surging. Shaylen Woodley levels in the preseason. I just don't see it. <laughs> and it's not even just Watson. Like, all the guys the, that they brought in that you would think have the potential to make impacts in their receiving core, they're all new to Rodgers. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's Watson. It's Romeo Dubs, who I think actually has the potential to be something in this offense. Sammy Watkins. Like, all those guys are new. Like, even Watkins, who we think could be – like, yeah. Rodgers doesn't know him. Yeah. Um, so, and, like, when you look at so many of those plays, like – Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL, best route runner, dude's amazing, great at everything. But when you look up and, like, the numbers that Rodgers has against single coverage, it's like an automatic green light. Yeah. Oh, one-on-one, boom, back shoulder, money, mm-hmm. right? He's now got to get that timing and that, like, precision down 
with guys he doesn't I don't know. I think he's going to. Or Alan Lazard. Who be, you know, has the to, offense has to be fundamentally different. Like, yeah. Fundamentally different. This might be, be tough. the worst wide receiver group in the NFL. It also might be bad enough that it does what the Patriots group did a few years ago, which makes everything else look worse. Mm. Like, all of a sudden, the offensive line might start to look terrible. Because no one's creating separation. Because Rodgers has to hold the ball because yeah. the offensive line or because the receivers aren't getting open. And then Rodgers starts to look worse because there's nowhere to go even when the pressure gets there. And all of a sudden, Rodgers is, like, panicking, getting sacked everywhere. Like, throwaways that, or the throwaways. Remember when he, had, right. like, he broke the, the PFF record for throwaways in a season? I could see that a lot this year. Yeah. So that receiver core might not just be bad enough to be, like, a fatal flaw for their championship but, like, the ability to actually completely torpedo that offense. Yikes. Last team, Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings. I put into your offensive line. Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, and they could be starting Ed Ingram, the rookie out of LSU. That is concerning. That is wildly concerning. Now, it could be Wyatt Davis over Ed Ingram. It could be Jesse Davis over Ed Ingram. Who knows? But, like, whoever is starting on the inter-offensive line I think is going to be struggling. And even then, like, the tackles, I like I like Brian O'Neill. I like Christian Derisaw. But I don't think they're elite like guaranteed playmakers on those on the bookends this offensive line i think could be the fatal flaw for this team because i like a lot of the other things they have daniel hunter and Darius smith on the edge i like their interior defensive line with dalvin tomlinson and harrison phillips being added cornerback room with peterson booth and shannon sullivan i think is okay lewis seen was one of my favorite picks on day one uh even after the trade down so i i think these this offensive line is gonna have a microscope on it yeah i, I mean i think for the vikings it's almost the same story every year i think the offensive line the interior is still a problem um i do think again like the like the Dolphins line, it, it has the potential to get a little bit of a jump just from the different scheme coming in. Like it might look better immediately just from this system. I also think that cornerback group, though, is still an issue. Um, mm-hmm. Like Andrew Booth Jr., I, I really like him, his potential. But he's A, raw as a prospect, and B, a rookie corner. Like that's just a bad combination straight away. Patrick Peterson is probably the best player there. Patrick Peterson wasn't good last year. Like he was fine, the best corner they had, but not good. Cameron Dantzler... Maybe has the best potential of any of those guys, but keeps finding himself in the doghouse. Maybe that was just a Zimmer thing, or maybe that's just the kind of guy that he is. I just that's the kind of cornerback group that could be getting torched no, on a regular I, basis. I, I think that the cornerback room on paper looks better than what it could be. Like I think with Peterson and Booth, but I really liked Booth coming out. Where were you at on Booth? I like Booth a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I look so really raw. Um, his, like the injuries also plays out of control. Like I've never seen a corner on the ground as much as he was, but it feels like the kind of things that he was bad at. You can actually fix like a coaching quick fix. Cause he's pretty new at the position. I loved his potential. Like I think he would be the corner that I took after those top two guys ahead of a Kyrie Elam or whatever. So how much more would you have liked the Vikings draft? And I like the Lewis scene pick if they took Jameson Williams at 12. I don't know if I would love it that much. Really? I I mean, I love Jameson Williams as a player. Mm -hmm. I like, I don't hate the process. My problem with the Vikings draft was that it's the same as any other draft they ever do, Mm -hmm. right? It was just, I, where's the change Mm -hmm. from from the Vikings period? Where's the flavor? Where's the direction that's somewhere different to the, the, the same course you've had for the last few years that's stalled, right? That's my issue with it. Not, and it's never like my issue with Spielman has never been like the specific players necessarily that he's targeted. It's like, we're, we're just not doing anything different here. Yeah. Um, I like that. You you tell me that you need to pee desperately, and then you start extending the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sent you a slack. I was like, I need to pee. <laughs> so that'll do it for the uh, the PFF NFL podcast. That's been the fatal flaw for all 32 NFL teams. Big thank you to Austin Gale from the thank tailgate. You. Go listen to the tailgate as well. Steve, I think he's back on Thursday, so we'll have a, an intact PFF SP. NFL podcast for a little bit before I bounce on a road trip. Um, that's it. That's it. Thanks, Thanks for having for me. listening. Talk to you on Thursday.